Hello and welcome to the FPL Scope podcast. This is the very first edition of the World Cup fantasy, well, portion of uh, the podcast. Uh, the World Cup is coming right up. We are recording now on the Wednesday before the first match on Sunday, which is going to be Qatar, the host nation against Ecuador. Uh, as you can see, there's only two people here. Normally when we do a podcast, we have three people. It is uh, me, Matthias. It is uh, my Swedish friend, Kevin, who is right here right now. There he is. And usually we have also Kimo from Egypt, but he is back in his home country of Egypt on a vacation. So he's not going to take part in the World Cup fantasy portion of this, but he'll be back in time for the Premier League to start in uh, late December or yeah, around the new year. It depends on when he comes back and stuff, but most likely he'll be back for the first game week in game week 17 in the World Cup or fancy Premier League. But for now, we're going to talk about the World Cup, and uh, many of you guys uh, listening probably know a lot about the Premier League, but the World Cup is more of an unknown territory, especially some of the lesser teams in the World Cup. So at first in this podcast, we're going to go through all the teams and rank them and talk a bit more about what, which teams we think are really good or which teams we think are really bad. So we'll discuss that now, just go through all the teams. With uh, classic tier lists. This first one is really easy. Argentina, S tier. There's nothing really much to say about it. Both me and Kevin, like, he's a Sweden fan normally. They're not in the World Cup. I usually root for, well, Norway are never in the World Cup, so I can't root for them. I usually root for Italy, but they're not in the World Cup either. So I think both of us will root for Argentina, or I know both of us, especially Kevin, will root for Argentina, and there's a special reason for that, I think. Kevin. I mean, Messi is obviously the GOAT, and I just, generally speaking, I was at the Argentina-Italy game, the Finalisma. Argentina absolutely smoked Italy and did it without trying too hard as well, which is a really strange thing to say because, yeah, I just felt their effort levels, just generally speaking, because it's not a recognized cup and et cetera, but, you know, they still wanted to win it, and despite all that, we're just playing absolutely beautiful attacking football. Some of the things that, you know, happened in 2014, but then once it became playoff time, it just became really defensive, really boring, which also saw the lack of messy magic, I guess. And I think with Scaloni, it's going to be quite the opposite. They play their offensive football no matter what. And considering where it is and everything like that and weather conditions and stuff like that it favors south american teams and i think argentina are going to be right up there yeah definitely they're uh, they have a really good chance of winning the world cup finally uh it's been a long time for them um but yeah they're clearly in the s tier then the next team is australia which i think is clearly in the d tier i don't think you have any objections to that so not really i mean tim kale's an s-tier player but uh yeah he's not playing so yeah he's not there anymore australia are good traditionally but right now they don't really have many good players at all i can barely mention like three players from their squad so (laughs) they they don't really have a good squad so i think they're going to be going straight out uh but yeah anytime i'm just going to place the teams and if you have any problems with it uh, you can just speak up and uh, I think it's very fitting that we have Belgium right now because I'm actually going to do something controversial and put them in A tier not S tier do you disagree? Uh, it's <laughs> listen 
I don't. I no. don't. And that's like a controversial thing to say because I've always, always hyped Belgium up since Lukaku just decided to play football. Like I was just like, yep, this is my guy. He's got Kevin De Bruyne with him now. Oh, everything's good. Life is good. But they've been dark horses their entire, you know, since the golden generation of players started and all this type of stuff. So for me, it wouldn't be a surprise if they won the World Cup, but I just don't think they're favorites. Yeah, I think they're just a step below, like the better teams that we'll get to eventually. And uh, Lukaku's injured from the start of the tournament as well. So we'll see what they do. Hazard is old and doesn't really play anymore. I mean, they still have De Bruyne and Thibaut Courtois match winners in both ends, so they can still win it, like you said, but I think they're not as good as, say, Brazil, which I'm going to put up on the S tier. I don't know if you want to rank them in terms of the tiers, but... If I were to do so, I think Brazil are the absolute favorites. Yeah, that's what I would say as well, but we're not going to get too much hung up on the actual rating we're just going to go through the tiers i guess and uh the next team is uh cameroon do you have any uh impressions of cameroon they i love made... saboleto that's all i can say huh? Who? i love saboleto okay i love i love 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 him and he's gonna hate me for saying this but they're dear tier i have no faith in them whatsoever d tier I mean, they made the semifinals in the African Cup of Nations, so I would lean more towards C tier, but I could see the D tier as well. I mean, they have a couple players. They have an online goal. They have Samba Angisa. Abubakar was the top scorer in the African Cup of Nations. He's really good as well. But Of course. I, I agree with all those points. It's just more how likely do you think this Cameroon squad will win the World Cup? I don't think they'll win it, but I think they might be a tough sure, team, sure, maybe, sure. but we'll see. I can put them in the D tier for now, and we can switch it up if we, if we want to. Yeah. Uh, Canada, there's also another team with like lesser-known players and then some absolute superstars. They have Alfonso Davis and they have Jonathan David. Do you think D tier mm-hmm. for them as well, or C tier, or even B tier? What do you rate for Canada? They won their uh, qualification group, if I recall, yep. in front of USA. But they I do mean, have some lesser-known players. C tier for now. Listen, they they are also C for Canada or D for the Da in Canada. So I do we think we're they're going to be able to advance past Croatia and Belgium? And Probably isn't it not. Morocco? Morocco as well in the same and group. Morocco as well. Like I think they're D. I feel like Cameroon have a stronger chance and I would even be be willing to swap those two around that Cameroon or C and uh, let's do that yeah. for now okay. uh, Costa Rica I think that's D tier yep Probably. I love me some Brian Oviedo I uh, <laughs> and you know Brian Rees back in the day uh, you know those were World Cup heroes uh, yep. you know Joel Campbell. Campbell yeah <laughs> stole a move to Arsenal just because of its World <laughs> Cup antics. So, yeah, you know, uh, definitely. Uh, they provided fun memories, good times, but uh, sadly are D tier. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, fine. Australia are a bottom of D tier. Yeah. yeah, no, no, no. I can agree with that. Croatia, 
We have had a couple bottom dollars, so I think Croatia are closer to this. Obviously, they made the World Cup final not too long of course, ago. Of course, of course, of course. They still have an aging squad, but I think their midfield is still one of the best in the whole World Cup, really. Modric is still mm-hmm. really good. Kovacic is amazing, and Brozovic has been really good in Serie A. They lack yeah, a proper striker, but other than that, pretty solid. I don't think they're S-tier. You can definitely make a case for A-tier for them. Yeah. Or if B-tier, there was a- but... If there was like a B plus, that's probably yeah. where I keep them or like an A minus, but uh, you got to give it to them. I think yeah. I think you can still say that they're... You got to um, respect them. Yeah. And they have I played think, They played a lot together as well, so they know each other as a squad. Absolutely. I think we have another B tier squad here in Denmark. Uh, they've been really, really, really good in the qualifiers. Won basically every game. They have really good cohesion in their team. Ericsson is back. You could play some at B, but I th- I think they, as a collective, they're really, really good. There are plenty of teams that can go in the B tier still, so. Yes, including these guys. Yeah, so you want to put them B? In B? Yeah, um, because they are terrible and are <laughs> the worst nation in Scandinavia, the I worst mean, nation in the world. But uh, jokes, all jokes aside, jokes. they were the semifinal. <laughs> they are the semi-finalists of uh, the last Euros. I, yeah, like you said, very cohesive, very, very good. But if you yeah. look at the four teams above them, you wouldn't say they're better than any one of those guys no. or possibly any of the other teams we might add to A or S, which is why I think they could be the uh, brainchild and the number one B team. Yeah. Wait, what? We'll see. <laughs> the number one B team. Yeah. Ecuador. I don't really have much faith in Ecuador. I would put them at D. Yeah. I mean, they have some really good players. Moises Caicedo, Estupinian, yeah. basically all the Brighton players. Yes. <laughs> and exactly. Plata as well. They have Hinkipi. Mm-hmm. They have they have a couple of decent players, but they're somewhere between C and D. I still think I'm gonna put them D. I also think Australia yeah. are worse than this probably well that doesn't really matter much but i put him in d i don't know if think you have any obligations towards that you've been more I harsh than not. me so far so no I, I do not um yeah no i think uh, that's fair this is another potentially controversial one it's coming home or southgate gets fired or <laughs> they gotta be a tier surely yeah you don't think they're bottom S? Bottom of A tier, but I think that no, I'm kidding. They're not. Are they bottom of A tier? Croatia got knocked out by Croatia last time. I uh, know. They're they're A tier for sure. So yeah, I mean they made the finals. Yeah, of the Euros, they did all right in the World Cup in 2018. They have the squad. That's the end of the conversation for me. Yeah. They have the squad. They don't they have, have the manager, yeah. but they have the squad. And do they have the defense as well? And goalkeeper for that sake. I mean, Pickford has been good this season, but you never know with Pickford. He's a national team guy. Yeah, I guess so. But we'll place them in A tier. I don't think they're B tier. Uh, France, I think definitely still S tier. Oh, yeah, definitely. They're lacking some players. I, I'd rank them below Argentina and Brazil because they lack a couple of players. Pogba's been really good Fair for enough. them. He's out. Conte is out. I mean, Chomeni can step right into the Conte role and be 
potentially better than him eventually, but yeah. uh, Kante is still going to be a big miss for them. Uh, and Kunku has been injured as well now, so that's another huge star that they lack. So I think just yeah. the injuries have hit them pretty badly, which is the case against them. And I don't think Uris is quite up to the levels of, well, I mean, compared to M.A. Martinez, maybe, but, but anyways, I think they're a solid S-tier team. Don't really need to say much more about France. We all know their players. Same goes for Germany. You could make a case for A. I think they're S. What do you think? Yeah, I I, I think either they're top of A or bottom of S. I think mm. they're really turning things around. I think um, largely in part uh, thanks to Leroy Sané's brilliance because he's getting a lot of faith from both uh Germany and Bayern and you know this was a guy who was out of the German squad out of City's sort of starting lineup and then went to Bayern with Hansi Flick there was not really playing much either at all this type of stuff so I think um yeah I think it's been a tumultuous career for him but he is world class and yep. you know spoiler he might be in my fancy team yeah and I think you can say many of the same things about Musiala, who might be in my fantasy team. So they have some really good players just behind the striker. They lack the top striker. Timo Werner's injured. Kai Havertz has not been good for since he left Leverkusen, basically. But I still think they're S-tier. Uh, you can never doubt Germany, really. They were always going to be there. They recently won the World Cup, sadly, <laughs> for some of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ghana. I think... Ghana went out earlier than Cameroon in the Africa Cup of Nations. I would not have them at the same level as uh, Cameroon. I think potentially another D-tier team. I mean, we get a lot of D-tier teams now, but there are a lot of teams that are easy to beat in this in this thing. I don't know. Maybe we should have like a cap. Maybe also to make the graphics look better. Maybe we should have a cap of like seven teams per tier at most. Yeah, I mean, we can, so we can obviously mix them, re- mix them up and yeah. rearrange uh, according to... The only thing with Ghana is, since they went out of the African Cup of Nations, they've added some really good players. They've added Salisu, Lamptey, Inyaki Williams. They've gone on a spree just collecting players that have not been picked for their original national team. So that might elevate them, but at the same time, Ghana traditionally haven't been the best in terms of uh, team structure and <laughs> everything working uh, as one for them. So... It's always difficult to add new players into a new squad, uh, so potentially C tier, but let's put them at D tier for now. There are a couple of D tier teams coming up, so maybe we'll move them up. But and we'll I think see. it's um, I think the thing about Ghana as well is that it's a real shame that they're in the group that they're in because they're technically in the group of death. Mm. But as a team, they're still a lot better than some of the junk that's going to the World Cup. No offense, Sweden should be there, and I'm always going to say everyone's <laughs> junk and all this type of stuff. But no, but like Portugal, Ghana, Uruguay, and Korea, you know, South Korea is just a very tightly contested, because even South yeah. Korea can turn up and cause havoc. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think it's fair to put them at the top of D or bottom of C, but for now, let's keep them at D, top of D, or even, you know what, keep them We'll have them at sea just to keep company with Cameroon. Sure. Sure, sure. There will be some better African teams coming up as well. Iran, which is an interesting team. I, so, this is a spoiler alert for later. I think they're a C team. 
I think a lot of their matches yeah. as of late, including a lot of highly contested draws and even some impressive wins, where defensively they are an absolute unit, which could cause a lot of havoc for a lot of teams. So I think, and certainly I know with a lot of the players, there's going to be a lot of stuff going through their heads with everything that's going on uh, in Iran um, and stuff like that. And it's really pathetic to try and be like, oh, you know, a win for them is a win for this and all this type of stuff. But uh, essentially with these sort of things, and especially with footballers, politically speaking, we've seen it happen in the past and we've seen that it's given them that extra boost. I think, yeah, I think Iran deserves uh, some credit for what they've done currently. And uh, yeah, I think they're a C tier team. Yeah, fair enough. I'll place them in the C tier. I know if uh, Kimo was here right now, he'd tell you that uh, their manager is Carlos Queiroz and he's so boring, so dull to watch. They never score any goals. Yeah. But like you said, he's defensively solid and up front they have some really good talent in Asmoon and Taremi. So yeah. they can they can do stuff on both ends. So they're pretty Absolutely. good. Now we come to one of my favorite countries, one of my favorite teams, Japan. I don't think there should be D tier. I think potentially C tier. They're not at the level of Denmark, but C tier, I guess. Sure. Um, for now we'll see, we'll see how much the C tiers and D tiers fill up maybe we'll move some, yeah. some of the teams up I think uh, I think this might be one of those cases of yeah this is us actually recognizing the fact that they are a C tier team it's just a shame that they're in the group with Spain and Germany and uh, Costa Rica they'll definitely be Costa Rica but you never know. You know what? It's it's a bit mean to completely rule out all the teams like I've done and have been extremely <laughs> harsh about it. But it is also that you have to have some realism with all this type of stuff. But to be fair, some of these European teams might not cope with the weather conditions and all types of stuff. Um, and we'll uh, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, I think C tier is a decent shout. I think the only thing as well as that Denmark is in the B tier and none of these teams are even close to Denmark. So I think if Denmark were in the A tier, we'd be more inclined to put some of these C tier teams in B tier, but we'll see eventually if it, if C tier fills up too much or D tier fills up too much, we can move around. I potentially Denmark up and then the other teams up as well, but we'll see where we get to. We have Mexico coming up. They have also sort of like a golden generation aging away sort of squad they don't have Chicharito anymore they don't have the Dos Santos brothers anymore it's one more Mexican player uh, that I forget that is usually there they still have Guardado he's always playing there yeah, they have Jimenez they have um, Irving Lozano who's been really good for Napoli this yeah. year all Napoli players yeah. are really good this season um, where do you rank Mexico do you think they should go B tier or do you think C tier or I think low B, high C maybe. Yeah. So Better probably keep them in the B tier. I think they have so many wonderful talents. And um, I think maybe I'm bitter about Poland beating out Sweden. Maybe, maybe. But I do also see them. And they normally do give a good account of themselves at the World Cup and stuff like that. So yeah. I, I do think... Um, yeah, I do you think Mexico could come second in their group? So, yeah, I think B is also good 
evaluation of their abilities. Yeah. Next up, we have uh, Morocco. I mean, we've put all the African teams in uh, C tier so far. Uh, <laughs> do you think they should go C tier as well? They have some really good players. They have Hakimi, obviously. They yeah. Have, uh, uh, yeah. C ish. Sorry. Again. Yeah. I think C tier works well for them. Yeah. They're usually a decent defensive side. Obviously, Hakim is just a bowler, so yeah. Yeah, they actually fired their head coach because he was uh, not on good terms with Siesh, so yeah. <laughs> I reckon Says he's going to play, play more, Says even though he got qualified for the World Cup. So mm. yeah, Netherlands, another team that could go S or A tier. Um, you got any input? Where do you think you should put them? Look... I think they're A. Yep. I think they're just shy from being an S tier team. On par with Belgium, their neighbors. I think I think they are, they got to be slightly worse. Yep. Sadly, uh, I think obviously Frankie De Jong Stan, fucking love that guy. I think he's the one of the best center mids in the world. Um, obviously, gonna rep Memphis Depay just to irritate. A uh, good friend of ours, Remy, uh, who, you, you know, as Remy is a Manchester United fan and Depay successfully was terrible there. Uh, yeah, I'll always rep Memphis Depay as well. I think they have a lot of great players. Van Hall is hit and miss, but he's always been uh, decent and all this type of stuff. Yeah. He's already causing a little bit of trouble with the squad with some of his sort of controversial uh, old foolhardy comments and stuff like that, which hasn't been great. I also just think that they're just lacking that one more X-Factor player to take them to the next level. I think yeah. if Xavi uh, Simmons or Simons uh, continues the way he will, it does, he could potentially become that huge, huge player that... Uh, I think Netherlands need to take them to the next level. And, um, but yeah, I just think they don't have, if you look at the squads ahead of them, yeah, I just don't think they have what it takes, sadly, yeah. to be an S tier team. Yeah, they lack a bit of offensive firepower, I think. Like you said, Memphis Depay is their big star offensively and club level. He's, 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 I mean, he's been really good, but he's not at that top, top level that you need to be. To, to win the World Cup, I feel like. And also their Absolutely. goalkeeper is also a big question mark. You don't even know who's going to be their starting goalkeeper. So just for that, I feel like they can't really... I mean, they could be in S tier, but I feel like A tier is decent for them. Yeah. Uh, Poland, I think, as with the, the team they have in their group, Mexico, I think they're pretty much on level with Mexico. It's going to be interesting yeah. to see who goes through out of those two. So I feel like B tier is a good yeah. spot for them. Do you disagree? I, I, uh, I agree with that. Yeah. Nothing much more to say, really. Lewandowski hasn't really performed at the levels he's done at Barcelona and uh, Bayern uh, for Poland, but maybe this is the year. Maybe he'll score, he'll score five goals against Saudi Arabia. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, Portugal. I feel like Portugal have a striker problem, <laughs> potentially. Yeah, potentially. potentially. <laughs> With uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. Depends mm. if he's in the right headspace. He might yeah. potentially have more uh motivation than ever to do well but just yeah. depends if his skill can keep up with his motivation he's always motivated so absolutely absolutely but other than cristiano ronaldo who's their big like big name star they have a lot of good players and i think their squad is just that good that you have to have the mass here 
I'd personally have them above Germany as well. Probably just behind the other three in S tier, but what do you reckon? Yeah, uh, I think S tier is a fair assessment. I think yeah. they could be also top of A. I think the thing that is of concern, not really for me, but could be a concern of uh, Portugal fans is the fact that they are in possibly the toughest group. Um, so that could see them uh, hit. Also, the fact that Diogo Jota, who has been firing in all cylinders, usually uh, is you know missing from the World Cup. Yeah, I think um, there are some things missing, but they have enough there. I mean, they won the Euros in 2016, which was a fluke. Uh, but um, yeah, you know, I think they've built on a lot of things. I'm really, really, really annoyed that Renato Sanchez didn't make the World Cup, which mm-hmm. made, to me, no sense. Yeah. Um, just because he wasn't playing like regularly for PSG doesn't mean that he's still not a decent sentiment. But yeah, I, I think that's a fair assessment. I hope they're not a S team, but fair enough. We'll see. Especially with Renato Sanchez. Uh, their midfield isn't like the best offensively. There are a lot of good players with uh, Bernardo Silva, Rafael Leao, Juan Felix. Those yeah. guys defensively, they have Cancelo, they have uh, Nuno Mensch, who's been really good uh, yeah. left back for PSG. So they have they have really good players, but yeah. we'll see. I think S tier is fair for them. And they have the Fulham geezer who's pretty good. Palenia is definitely really yeah, good. Yeah. He can get some so t- I... tackles in for sure. Yep. Yeah. The host nation, Qatar. D. Bottom. Bottom, bottom, bottom. D-tier. That's all we need to say. <laughs> I'll, I'll just mention one more thing is that usually host nations, at least in the first match, tend to do pretty well. Yes. So against Ecuador in the first opening match, they might get a draw or even a win, a lucky win. But other than that, I don't feel like they, they'll get much. The same could be said for Saudi Arabia. Yeah, I mean, they might not be the 5-0 losing team uh, like they've been previously. They're sort of okay defensively, but on the World Cup stage, they're just going to be too small uh, against the bigger teams. So I think that's enough said about those teams. Um, next up, we have uh, Senegal, the reigning champions of the African Cup of Nations. The only thing with Senegal is Sadio Mane. We don't really know how fit he is, if he's going to be available for the group stage or not. That's a big question mark for them because he's obviously their huge star. But I should say for Senegal as well, they've, they're lacking their offensive star, but defensively they've always been really solid. They have Koulibaly and Mendy, of course, who haven't had the best of seasons, but for Senegal they're usually really good. They have Abdou Diallo, who doesn't really play much for PSG, uh, but he's also really good for the national team. Defensively, they've just been really solid, especially in the African Cup of Nations. They barely conceded any goals, so I feel like they should be the best African team. I think you can make a case for them in B tier if Mane is fit. If Mane is not fit, C tier, but I think we should be optimistic and put them in C, but I don't know what you think. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> also, we got to rep Africa a little bit. I think uh, Kimo is <laughs> yeah. uh, Egyptian. He he'd be mad if we don't have a team higher than B for or higher than C from Africa. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And I think uh, if you actually look at their chances of doing well in the World Cup, they're in the same group as Qatar and Ecuador. So yeah, I think definitely they can easily come second. They can, and if they're they lucky, they can, well. yeah, yeah. If Netherlands uh, continue their streak. Yeah, Serbia, they have potentially the best squad they've had ever, I feel like. They have so mm-hmm. many good players 
up front, Vlaovic, Mitrovic, Milinkovic, Savic, Kostic, Milinkovic as a centre-back. They just have a really solid team. Dusan Tadic as well. I think you can make a case right here for them, but I'm not sure about them versus Denmark. I feel like they're sort of yeah. on par with Denmark. Mm-hmm. So maybe you should put them both in B tier. Maybe you should put them both in A tier. For now, I think we'll put them right next to Denmark here in B tier. Yeah. If you agree. South Korea, mm-hmm. again, the same as with uh, Mane and Senegal. Just depends if Hangmin Son is fit. Apparently, he was training with a face mask on. He has a bit of a different injury with the facial reconstruction surgery that he had. Uh, it looks like he'll be okay, potentially, for some of the group stage at least. But obviously, they have him. He's one major star. And then the, they have another burgeoning star as well in, as a centre-back, Kim Min Ja. He's been amazing for Napoli. One player of the month the first uh, month he was there. It's been really important for Napoli. Uh, again, I feel like they're a step above Iran. B-tier, low-end B-tier maybe. For them or C tier, what do you think? Depends on Son. I think it, yeah, I think majorly it depends on Son because yeah. uh, obviously they have the uh, burgeoning star that is Kim and Jay in uh, Napoli, who's been an absolute beast for them. Um, but if you look at their squad as a whole, whilst they have some good household names and etc., I think you have to also realize that their group is the toughest one, right? Because they're with both yep. Ghana, Uruguay, and Portugal. So them as a team, sure, you can still say that they're a C-tier team, but yeah. Or maybe even a, like a lower B, but no, I think C seems like a fair yeah. place to keep them. I've thought about putting him in B, but I also remember even if Son is back fit, he hasn't had the best of form this season, so... I think that puts them down to C tier for me. Uh, yeah. I think they're better than Iran, but C tier I think is fair enough for them. Spain, I feel like they should be right around the same place as Germany. S tier, yeah. they lack like superstar offensively unless Pedri really, really, really breaks out. I mean, Pedri is really good, yeah. but they lack like that. They have Morata up front. He's an okay striker, but that's about it really. Uh, they should really have like a main main guy Pedro might step up they've they've been good collectively uh, sometimes but I think they're low low tier S yeah S-tier. I'm I completely back Lucho with some of the decisions he made I think it was really smart of him to go youthful obviously bring his uh, son-in-law in Ferran Torres who's uh, made the squad which uh, some people were getting pissy about which uh, to me is stupid considering the fact that regardless of what you think Ferran Torres has done at Barcelona he's or he still always delivers decent numbers um but I do disagree with admitting out Gerard Moreno I guess Aspas I get Aspas is a really 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 good La Liga player but when it comes to the national team he's been very hit and miss i you could say that about moreno too but i feel like they missed the beat obviously they missed the beat with um not bringing inaki williams into the fold more quickly because i guess it was more impatience that brought him 
to Ghana rather than maybe it might have been like a, this is my true calling thing. But considering his little brother and generational talent, Nicholas ended up picking Spain and will likely get minutes. Mm. I feel like that might have been a like a missed opportunity by Spain more than Inyaki Williams because Inyaki yep. Williams is in the sort of luxury position of picking either or. Um, but, 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 we forget Ansu Fati plays for Spain and could potentially get a lot That's of true. minutes because they don't have that focal point in attack. And if he scores, he'll get the minutes. And mm-hmm. that is why I have some belief in them. And yeah. obviously, Ferran Torres is also great. I, mean, I, Portugal. I think we need to talk about Portugal at some point as well. Do we really think they're worse or better than Belgium? And I don't think Belgium is a AS tier team. Maybe. It's just they have so many quality players I just can't look away from them, really. True. True, true, true. Leo is amazing. I am a of huge course. fan of him. Cancelo. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of him, but he is, he's really good. Bernardo Silva is amazing. They just have too many top, top, top quality players for me to put him in A tier. Uh, compared to, I mean, you can make the same case for Courtois and De Bruyne and stuff, but. Yeah. It's more of a cohesive unit with uh, Portugal. The only thing with Portugal that might keep uh, hold them back is Fernando Santos, their manager. Don't have yeah. much faith in him, even though they won the Euros with him. But since then, he hasn't been doing much. But yeah, for now, I feel like they could be an S tier. But we don't really have many S tier teams left, so I feel like it's fitting to have these six teams as like the top top teams. Sure. We'll move on to Switzerland, which is sort of like. A, neutral country and sort of like a neutral rank i feel like <laughs> i feel like they should be in b tier but i don't know what you think c tier i guess bottom of b works yeah top of c probably works too uh yeah, yeah. there's not much to say i think they have really good talents they've jan sommer is amazing um yeah but the issue is the lack of like an x-factor player that can take them I mean, from they sort of have an X-Factor player in Braille and Bolo who's an X-Factor in one out of eight games. So like, that's the only thing with Mbolo. Yeah. He looks like a world beater when he's on his day. He's, he's going to have, I, I think he's going to have one match in the group stage where he's going to be just like looking amazing. But yeah. then the rest of the matches, he's so-and-so, not that good. So yeah. if he yeah. realized his full potential, he could be the X-Factor, but he hasn't really shown that throughout his career so far. Um, Tunisia... D tier. I feel like they're along with Australia makes for a really easy group uh, for France and Denmark. Yep. Not much to say about Tunisia. They don't really have many outstanding players there either. Uruguay, however, have some really good players, and I feel like they have a potential to be an A tier team. But at the same time, we have Serbia and Denmark at the top of B tier. I feel like Serbia and Denmark are better than Mexico, Poland, and the rest of the B tier. Are they are Uruguay better than those teams? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think they're either top of B or even low A. I think we haven't named an official dark horse for us and for our predictions for the World Cup. I think they are. I think yeah. I. Famous last words. I think they could go pretty far. I think um, it's really disgusting for me to have to admit this, but uh, Federico Valverde is one of the best 
midfielders in the world. And uh, I've obviously been one of his highest uh, praisers in the sense of like, it was inconceivable to me that he wasn't the starting, like one of the starting 11 players for Real Madrid for quite some time was always sort of in and out. Yes, he had injury issues, um, which obviously like someone like Marco Asensio um, caused them so much time to eventually get into the fold. But Valverde is amazing. I think he, he's been phenomenal this year. Then you have someone as random as Bentancur just going absolutely insane for Spurs. Yeah. Then you obviously have um, Ronald Rajo, who's going crazy for Barcelona and is one of the main reasons why we didn't end up winning the El Clasico and all this type of stuff and probably why we went out of the Champions League when we did. He's there. He's potentially missing the group stages, which isn't great. But we do, you never know what these sort of recoveries. Like, he might be back for the second game or third game, depending on whether they lose the first game. Uh, and obviously, Darwin Nunez. There's so many awesome players yep. that play for your ride that, yeah, this is a interest. This is potentially sort of, you know, the French side or all these sort of teams that have had, or Portugal side that won the Euros, you know, quite young players surrounded by the right amount of experienced players because mm-hmm. obviously Luis Suarez is there and all yeah. this type of stuff, which will, I mean, be all types of sort of expertise that they need in the sense of camaraderie, sort of experience, someone to mentor them and all this type of stuff too. So, yeah, and... Probably we'll see Darwin Nunez handball something against, uh, yeah. <laughs> Just like some uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, in yeah. the sense that, yeah. I mean, aren't, yeah. They're in the same group, aren't they? Yeah, it's your guy, God, uh, yeah. our face. Oh, wow. That's yeah, going to exactly. be interesting. <laughs> but yeah, like you said, they have a lot of young up-and-coming talent and they also have a couple like they've sort of had like a golden generation of their own with Soros and Kalani and all those guys but now there's some new guys in town that are really really good well very day I share your praise for him I think he's amazing he's always been uh, amazing for me ever since I saw him uh, starting for Real Madrid he's been really good so yeah I think you should definitely you can definitely make a case for them in the A tier especially like you said pre or earlier on that they play in a climate that suits them more so than Denmark and uh, Serbia. So that could put them above those teams. Uh, we have another American team, <laughs> not South America this time, but the US of A. Do you have any uh, suggestions? They're terrible, man. I, I I don't actually know what to say. I don't, I don't think they're so awful that they're worse than everyone in the D tier. But if you look at recent performances and stuff like that, it's nothing to sing home about. They did finish behind Canada in the qualifiers. So. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So, I, yeah, not bottom of a D tier, but D tier. Yeah. Do we hey, move someone up? Because we have uh, overfilled the D tier, so it's made uh, two, two sections. Do we uh, stop anything or do we just keep it as is? <laughs> If you look at other people's uh, sort of lists, they've even more so added more D tier uh, like yeah. teams like the. Uh, but I think uh, I, I just feel like teams like the USA and Canada and Ecuador are just 
a little bit better than the Costa Rica, Australia, those type of teams. But you know what? I'm willing to put them at the absolute bottom of C. U.S. Yes. Yeah. You never like their national pride and all that stuff kicks in. And yeah. they, they're usually like historically they've been a really good World Cup team, so I guess that puts them in, in C. Uh, I mean, we have another potential C Did team. You hear what you just said? They're national. <laughs> national pride kicks in yeah. compared to all the other teams no it's just that. it's something about the u.s they have something to prove when it comes to soccer like they say yeah so, that's fair enough fair enough i mean they have more outwardly pride than most well i shouldn't say most nations but at least western nations they have more outwardly mm. pride uh, yeah. anyways the final team wales Bottom of B, C, Iran. I think they're somewhere on C, maybe. Yeah, Iran, US, and Wales are in the same group. So they're sort it says, of... says a lot about how interchangeable those teams are and says a lot about their quality. But, similar uh, teams as well. Do we want to move anyone up from C since it's a bit overcrowded now? I mean, Morocco shouldn't be that far down, to be honest, but I don't know if they're yeah. B tier, but... Anyways, we can just go through all the teams. I'll list them as well for any of you that are listening uh, through audio rather than watching on video. S tier, we have Brazil, Argentina, France, Spain, Germany, and Portugal. Portugal just hanging on at the end of S tier. Right above the A tier, which is Belgium, Netherlands, Croatia, England, and Uruguay. I feel like both Serbia and Denmark are potentially A tier teams, but they're currently a B tier. So B tier is Serbia, Denmark, Mexico, Poland, Senegal, and Switzerland. And then in C tier, we have South Korea, also depending on uh, Hung Min Son. They might be B tier if Hung Min Son is fully fit and in top form with Kim Min Jong and all those guys. But for now, they're C tier. Iran, Morocco, Wales, Cameroon, Japan and Ghana and the United States at the bottom of C tier. They made a, another section for C tier. D tier, we have Ecuador, Canada, Costa Rica, Australia, Tunisia, Saudi Arabia, and the host nation, Qatar. Any team you'd like to move up or down looking at this? Think out loud. <laughs> Portugal. It, Portugal. Portugal is the one that I would maybe move down only because my belief in Belgium as a unit is a bit stronger than Portugal, but I'm happy to leave it currently as it is. I think, uh, yeah, I think this is a good, good, good. Fair enough. Maybe, 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 maybe we might be a bit too harsh on Canada. Maybe Canada should be a D plus, so they should maybe be the top of D. Yeah. I mean, I haven't really put as much thought into the rankings in no, the no, tiers no, themselves, but yeah. Canada has some interesting players, so potentially Ecuador sure. as well. I, th- I feel like Ecuador and Canada are sort of the same type of teams Yeah, in terms of having star power, more star power yeah. with Canada, so fair enough to have them D. Anyways, you guys watching or listening can get involved as well. If you're watching on YouTube, please leave a comment on what you agree or disagree with. 
any teams you feel like should be higher up or lower down in the tier tier lists just um, mention it in the comments really that's it for the tier lists and the first part of this podcast we spent a whole 43 minutes on it so uh, <laughs> we don't really have to spend much in terms of the predictions which is the next thing in terms of the groups we'll talk more about the players to watch obviously you can see if you're watching on youtube you can see the predictions on the left and then the players to watch on the right in group a both kevin and i have the same prediction we have netherlands first senegal second ecuador third and qatar fourth and for players to watch i have listed Denzel Dumfries, who's like the main guy in my team. Assuming he's healthy, it looks like he's healthy, so he's he's always been amazing for Netherlands. He's one of the top goal-scoring defenders there is. And Netherlands have a really, as you can see, a pretty easy group when it comes to defending. So Dumfries makes sense. Bergwijn, he's listed as a midfielder, but he plays almost as a striker for them. Uh, I think he's a really good option. You've listed him as well. And then for Senegal, I praised their defense earlier. And uh, Abdul Diallo is only 4.0, so I feel like he's a good option. Uh, you've listed Bergwijn as well. Uh, Mane, uh, who, depending on injuries, could be a really good option with Senegal. And then you also have Estupinian for Ecuador. Any other players that you've listed that you want to talk more about? No, not really. I think we sort of covered everything that we need to say about these players. Mane could absolutely explode but bear in mind his injury i think you'll have to wait for team news or actually to be completely honest wait until game week one is sort of done and dusted or take a chance have someone of similar ability that you can just swap out quick and easy yep let's move on to group b where we have uh, different table predictions. Like I said, the national pride kicks in for the USA. <laughs> so I have them second in the group behind England uh, with Wales at third and Iran at fourth. While you have been uh, very generous to Iran, putting them second in the group behind England with Wales third and the US at fourth. Uh, we already talked talked about those teams in the tier list, so we don't really have to rehash it in this segment, I guess. I have faith in the U.S. because of their national pride, as I've mentioned a couple of times now. And you like Iran, because obviously they have really good players. As far as players to watch, I have listed two English players. That is Trippier, who I'm a huge fan of. I had him all season in Fantasy Premier League, and I feel like he can do the same in Fantasy World Cup, assuming he starts, which he should, since Reese James is out. I have listed Phil Foden. I also uh, thought about Kane, but Foden has been a standout player this season, and he's going to play every match for England most likely compared to Man City where he's benched sometimes and also I feel like this group they have a lot of teams that struggle to score so I feel like having the Welsh goalkeeper Danny Ward who's also been really good in FL on my bench mostly uh, yeah. he's also made it into the list but you have three other players so than me uh, also I should mention Kevin has listed uh, one player per team he doesn't have two English players or doesn't have two players from the same nation in any of these uh, players to watch sections so but yeah just uh, any players that you you can list your players and talk more about them if you want yeah so um i went with kane obviously a lot of these players that we're going to mention some are obvious 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 picks because yeah. kane seems like a very obvious pick you know world cup boot winner always scores goals for spares always goals goals for England, you know, takes penalties, sometimes even takes set pieces, even though we really uh, should not be taking corners as uh, seen in one of the major tournaments in the past. Uh, but yeah, Harry Kane is just, um, 
just such an obvious pick. There's just one thing, McCain. I think you said World Cup winner, but I think you meant top scorer, right? I said Golden Boots. Oh, winner, Golden right? Boots. Okay, I, th- I think maybe it cut out, but I don't know. I heard just I just heard World Cup winner. I was just like, whoa, that that passed me by. If England won the World Cup, I, I'm sure I wouldn't hear the <laughs> yeah. end of it. So. I mean, uh, I definitely meant Golden uh, Boot scorer, yeah, so, or for sure. Golden Boot winner. So uh, I might have missed as well. Yeah. Uh, then we have Brighton's forgotten man. <laughs> I mean, he's not Brighton player anymore. He's back in uh, PSV, the... is it? Yeah, I think he's back in Holland, Johanna Bosch. Uh, I think if there's anyone who's going to make uh, magic, uh, unfortunately, Mediterami would obviously be number one in my sort of pick. But when there's so many forwards that go ahead of him, I think if you're looking for a mid-priced midfielder who still creates a lot of attacking options for Iran and doesn't only necessarily play left mid, he plays left wing, he sometimes plays cam as well. Yeah, I think Jahan Abash uh, is a very solid option. And then with Wales, I went with Wilson. I'll be honest, I think it's more of a storyline pick than anything. He hasn't really done much for Fulham this year. He hasn't really done much for Wales, but he is one of those players who has an X factor about him, and I think this is where he needs to prove a point to then bring himself back into the Fulham side, and also just be taken seriously as a really bright talent. I mean, there was a point where everyone thought he was better than Mason Mount, and we all know how that ended up going. Uh, But yeah, I think he's a player to just keep an eye on. A player to watch, maybe. Yep. Potential set-piece taker as well for uh, Wales. He's obviously yeah. come back from injury, so he's still struggling a bit after that. Uh, also just want to try to do the pronunciation for the Iranian player you said, because I remember in the last World Cup, I looked through like a pronunciation guide and I made sure to know this guy's name, Ali Reza Jahanbakhsh. I think that's pretty accurate, but I don't know. Tell me I, if you're from I'm Iran, then sh- tell me if I just butchered that. Butchered that. Uh, but yeah. Is, is that what I said? I feel like I said something close, something close to it, yeah. Alireza de It's something like that. Okay, cool. I also have an Iranian co-worker, so I know one more phrase in Iranian or Persian, which is Shani uh, Shigofti, yeah. which means uh, I know what you said. So <laughs> it's a nice one to use if I can hear anyone speak Persian. But enough about <laughs> Iran. Uh, let's move on to Group C, which is uh, Messi's group, and we both have Messi at the top of our watch list for players to watch. Um, as far as table prediction goes, we have pretty similar table. We have Argentina top and Saudi Arabia bottom, but I have Poland going through a second place. Kevin, who's still burnt by Poland knocking out Sweden in the qualifiers, have them third, and Mexico going through as second instead. Uh, apart from Messi and the players to watch, I also have uh, his striking partner, Lautaro Martinez, who's been really good for Argentina. Next to Messi, he's a much better fit compared to previous strikers like Higuain even Aguero didn't fit that well with Messi and Tevez I feel like Lotaro plays off Messi better I feel like he's a really good shout especially for the first match against Saudi Arabia and then we both have Medikash listed the Polish right back who's uh, who's been uh, really good in uh, fancy Premier League of course if you play that you know that he can do do bits offensively as well as being solid defensively for Poland so that's why I'm listed. You have one more player on the players to watch section, section which is uh, Tecatito Corona. So we'll talk more about him if you want. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, 
the problem with Mexico is the fact that they have Lozano, who absolutely smashed it um, a couple of years ago. They have a lot of good, good players. I think Corona is a pick because he's the sort of forgotten man. Not with a name like that, but he's uh, definitely the forgotten man in Mexico and I think could actually just be a sort of hidden gem for people in F- well not fpl but the world fantasy fans. world cup yeah. yeah so fwc um and i think he for Sevilla and for teams in the past he's taken set pieces and all this type of stuff too and he is incredibly fast and is very past first which could do well because key passes is a new uh, stat line and all this type of stuff. So yep. I think Corona could do a lot of damage. Um, yep. <laughs> I can't believe sure. I said it like that, but yeah, sure. Yeah. That, I guess that's Definitely. true. We'll refer to him as Tecatito. But yes. we'll move on to uh, Group D, which is uh, also a pretty easy group to predict, as at least for the first two teams. We both have France going first as or going through as number one and Denmark going through as number two. I have Tunisia finishing third and Australia finishing fourth. Well, you have Australia finishing third and Tunisia <laughs> finishing fourth, but it's really just a toss-up at that point. Those, those teams are not that good. So, uh, But still, Kevin has listed a Tunisian player because he's listed players from three different teams once again. But for uh, my picks, I have two French players and one Danish player. First French player is uh, Kylian Mbappé. Makes sense. Don't really have to say much more about him. The only thing with Mbappé is that he's playing at the same day as Messi so if I'm picking Messi I feel like picking Mbappe at the same time is sort of a waste of cash because you'll have a captaincy option that you can't use but we'll get to that later in the teams uh, my second player to watch is uh, Joachim Mele from uh, Denmark uh, he's been amazing in uh, fantasy euros you all know about him already and you probably all have him in your team makes sense for 4.5 for Denmark who I have more faith in than Kevin it seems uh, I really like Denmark's chances going pretty far in the in uh, the tournament like they did in the Euros finally I have a French defender in uh, Pavard but I might change that to Theo Hernandez who was just uh, added to the game at the same price 5.0 so either one of the French fullbacks seem really good for me um, Kevin you also have Mbappe and Mele don't really have to say more about those two players but you have one more cheap Tunisian option in uh, Wahabi Kastri who is a decent option so briefly mention why you've listed him Azri just goes crazy everywhere he goes uh, <laughs> didn't mean to make that all football chanty but yeah he is just a point king i mean he does it in pretty much everywhere he plays i just rate the player a lot i think the fact that he's randomly listed as a mid at 4.5 is Mm. perfect as well i also think that there was a mistake i definitely think tunisia will come above australia but when australia does come third i can say haha i got it or something (laughs) i I definitely think that uh, i just wrote it wrong fair enough Fair enough. We'll move on to Group E, which is sort of the same. We have two major favorites in Germany and Spain. We have it differently. I have Germany number one and Spain number two. But I think in the tier list, you kind of made a case for having Spain above them. So it's really interchangeable, those two teams, for me. Uh, It's just Germany always at the World Cup. Historically in the World Cup, they've been better than Spain, even though Spain had that golden age like 10, 12 years ago. Uh, But still, Germany and Spain going through easily my... uh, one of my favorite teams, like I mentioned earlier, Japan, sadly, third. I hope they can knock out 
especially Germany, uh, but we'll see. And Costa Rica fourth. Uh, we both have Japan third and Costa Rica fourth. So as players to watch, we have one German midfielder each, Musiala and Sané, who we mentioned in the intro. They're both really good for Bayern Munich. And uh, just depends. The only thing with Musiala if he, if he plays as a starter or if uh, Thomas Miller still gets to play ahead of him. I, f- I think Musiala is about to break out and become like one of the top, 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 top players. Like I'm saying like top 10 players in the world. If he's not already, he's pretty close to it. And then I have a Japanese player as well, Daichi Kamada, 5.5 midfielder uh, for Japan. He's been a star for Frankfurt, and I think he can be a star for Japan as well. He's also pretty fairly priced. And then at the end, I have uh, Spain's starting striker, which is Morata, 8.0. It's just to have a Spanish striker there, really. Uh, he's He's been decent for the national team, and he's a focal point for them. He's going to miss some huge chances, I'm sure, but he can also get a haul with two goals or three goals even, so... We'll see. Kevin has three different players for me, though. We mentioned Sané, so you don't really have to talk much about him, but you have a Spanish player and a Japanese player as well. Yeah. Uh, I, originally, I went with Unai Simon because I felt that we had completely um, ignored goalkeepers whilst doing the lists. And I think, generally speaking, Japan and Costa Rica are matches where Spain could potentially keep a clean sheet. I also just think Unai Simon is a pretty good goalkeeper and um, has really good distribution as well. Um, I might change it to Ansu Fati because simply of what I just said and also because I genuinely believe that he's one of those sort of players that if he scores in any of the games, he'll start getting way more play time. Mm-hmm. I realize that Lucho is very similar to Xavi with, you know, they're very scared about whether he'll get injured or not. Yeah. But considering how much Ansu Fati has been complaining about this, maybe he's not as brittle as people think. Maybe he just needs to be given the playing time to show what he's got. And I think Morata is so much on the tightrope with Lucho as it is. Fati could easily come and replace him. Mm. So Simone, definitely keep an eye out for him, but keep but consider on Sufati as well. He and could potentially potentially also Ferran Torres on the other side. Seven million exactly. for Ferran Torres. He's also yeah. a really good option. Could play striker Ferran... as well. Yeah, and is actually probably gonna start as well. I mean, yeah. benefits from sleeping with the manager's dog. <laughs> You play it on the wing or as a striker? Probably. Oh, his girlfriend. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah, yeah. He, he's winning on and off the court. Anyways, uh, Tomiyasu, I think he has just been really unlucky with injuries for Arsenal because he was definitely going to be their right back, all this type of stuff, and it was Ben White who was going to be the unlucky one to sort of uh, is he going to play every now and then and now Ben White has cemented the right back spot and has yeah. done really well for Arsenal or top of the league. I think Tomiyasu is just uh, a fun footballer, 4.5 you're going to get some decent returns from him. Whether Japan will do anything in this group according to our predictions, not really, but for 4.5, you'd be hard-pressed to find much better. I mean, Mela is better, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. So we want to Group F. I have gone controversial here and placed Croatia above Belgium. Like I said, Very I was much. a bit skeptical towards Belgium. Uh, they might even drop down. This is sort of like a complicated group because I think Morocco and Canada 
on their best days, they can beat anyone. Same goes for Croatia. So Belgium is sort of at risk, but at the same time, they could finish number one and just blow past expectations and even win the World Cup. So I have listed two Belgian players. Belgian players. Uh, one of them is De Bruyne, who's the premium midfielder in this uh, fantasy World Cup. He's at 11.0, but I feel like he's definitely worth the price in terms of key passes, scoring goals, getting assists, everything. He's really good. I also listed uh, Michi Batshuayi, who has been playing in uh, the place of uh, Romelu Lukaku when Lukaku has been injured. Lukaku has been injured most of the season, and it seems like he's out for the start of the World Cup as well. So I feel like Batshuayi for 6.5 as a starting striker for Belgium with De Bruyne feeding him might be a really good option. And then my final option is, uh, of course, Ashraf Hakimi, who's one of the best fullbacks in the world. He's a goal scorer as well. He can go up front <laughs> almost as well for Morocco. So I feel like he has a good chance to get points, especially in this group, which is sort of up in the air. Uh, but yeah, that's it for the group. I uh, don't know if I mentioned the table predictions. I'll go through them quickly. I have Croatia number one in front of Belgium at number two, Morocco third and Canada fourth. Kevin has the same, but he has Belgium number one and Croatia number two, with Morocco third and Canada fourth as well. But Kevin has another player listed, a fantasy favorite so far uh, for Croatia. So I'll talk more about Sosa for 3.5. Yeah, so Sosa is a Bundesliga fantasy legend and continues to be a fantasy legend for anyone who uh, continued playing that past COVID, mm. which was the main reason why a lot of us uh, got into Bundesliga fantasy. Um, he's just a solid, solid player. Uh, I think uh, they've been really unfair to put him at 3.5, especially considering Croatia is such a good nation to the point we've you know kept them A-list and he's a starting player for them as well. So he creates a lot of chances. He crosses all the time and is just essentially like a Croatian Trent Alexander-Arnold. Sometimes the best uh, cross in the world, but just continuously spams them. So I think for fantasy reasons, he's a perfect pick, especially at 3.5. I'd like to add another player that I know both me and Matthias have been looking at, uh, who also plays for Belgium, which is uh, Neandro Trossard. He's 5.5, could easily sneak his way into the team and might even start for them. And uh, anyone who's been playing FPL this year knows what a troll he's been in terms of fancy points. Either he gets you 19 points or he gets you two, but you need that sort of upside in a game like this. Yeah. I mean, definitely with the Trossard as well, I've considered him i think he's actually in my recent draft we'll see, we'll see in a minute but uh yeah trollster for 5.5 is definitely a good shout as is Belgium for 6.5 so even though i have some doubts about belgium they have some really good options in terms of pricing and obviously de bruyne is just amazing so yeah. that makes sense uh just one point on Solsa. i think the reason for his price is that barisic has been playing more than him sometimes for the national team but i feel like Solsa, considering like if he is fully fit and all that stuff He's probably going to be their starting defender, and with um, we'll see that in just a second as well with the rules for uh, Fantasy World Cup. You can also sub out players, so if it doesn't start, you can just easily swap him out for one of your bench players. So I feel like it's a risk worth taking for 3.5 and the offensive firepower he has, and Croatia, who I have predicted as number one. So I'm definitely considering Sosa as well, uh, just as a final point on that. 
we'll move on for group G which is also another group with two good teams one really good team and then a pretty good team in Serbia as well I have Brazil number one Serbia number two Cameroon number three and Switzerland number four Kevin has the same except he has switched Switzerland as number three and Cameroon number four as for players to watch Kevin has listed Neymar who I also almost listed but since Kevin had already listed him I went for Richarlison instead who has been their starting striker pretty much uh, well the last few years but with the recent form of Gabriel Jesus maybe he'll be benched for Jesus considering Richarlison hasn't played that much but if Richarlison is the starting striker he's definitely someone to consider for Serbia, I think Filip or Kostic is going to be amazing for them, especially with the scoring in uh, Fantasy World Cup with tackles and key passes. Both of those things he can do at his uh, left wing back or left wing role. Uh, 6.0, I think, is a really good price for him. Finally, I've listed uh, Abubakar. I had listed him before he was in the in the game. I figured he'd be more like seven mil uh, at most. So. 8 mil kind of puts me off him. Uh, it's just he was the top goal scorer in the African Cup of Nations for them. Uh, scored a lot of goals and he's been like the main guy. He's the captain for Cameroon as well. So I f- feel like he just deserved the shout. But Kevin has three other players than me. Uh, one from Brazil, one from Serbia, and one from Switzerland. So take it away, Kevin. Yeah, I mean, Neymar, we all know, is a world beater and uh, is extremely unlucky not to have experience the joy of winning something with brazil um i mean he did win the olympics but he was very unlucky not to win the copa america which richarlson managed to win and then the year he uh, could have won it and with favorites and everything was against scaloni's amazing argentina side i think this is potentially namer's final world cup because he's always said like he's one of the sort of players that he's not thinking longevity like a Cristiano Ronaldo wants to play until he's 37 he'll play until he physically feels he can and I feel like he's alluded to that this could be his final World Cup with that in mind I think it's going to be his swan song considering his form with PSG as of late as well the fact that he's on set pieces penalties he does everything for Brazil I think he's just an obvious obvious choice with my Serbian pick of Milinkovic Savic, I think he is just so, so good. I absolutely hate and completely understand why Lazio are waiting for a like a hundred million bid for him because they would never want to get rid of someone as good as he is. But I also feel that the footballing world as a general are getting bereft from him being at, you know, a... Um, in the Champions League, basically. Yeah, pretty pretty much. I want I want a player of his caliber to be at a superstar club, yeah. sort of like uh, maybe not Man City, but like a, you know to take or or to the very least elevate a club to become one of those things like like Arsenal, Liverpool, for example. Yeah, just right Arsenal, into that midfield. Yeah, Arsenal are one of the teams that have been looking at him. Liverpool, which I would absolutely hate, would are looking at him, and considering the fact that Firmino might be in and out of the t- club as well, yeah, I think uh, Milinkovic Savic is going to have a great uh, World Cup. I think Serbia, generally speaking, are one of the better teams at the World Cup, so I think he's definitely someone to look out for. And with finally, with my uh, goalkeeper pick of Switzerland, Summer, I think Summer 
isn't going to do amazing in terms of clean sheets and stuff like that. Maybe one against Cameroon. I don't think he'll keep one against Serbia. I don't think he'll keep one against Brazil. However, he's a notoriously known shot stopper and penalty saver. So I think if you're looking for a goalkeeper with X Factor, you pick Jan Sommer. Uh, I think he's just a fantastic goalkeeper as it is as well. So it's just if you have like a Courtois or a goalkeeper that's absolute favorite going to win all their games, great. I think Summer's just a really fun backup. Yep, for sure. He always uh, shows up on the biggest stage as well in uh, in these types of tournaments. So he's a fun shout for sure. We'll move on to the final group, which is Group H, which is uh, another interesting group. Uh, you refer to it as potentially the group of death because they have some teams that have high ceilings at least in terms of Ghana and South Korea and Uruguay as well as we mentioned you've gone with the well you've backed your boys from Uruguay and put them as number one with Portugal as number two and Ghana third and South Korea fourth I have the same except for Portugal number one and Uruguay number two Ghana and South Korea coming up after them Uh, I have listed Bruno Fernandes actually as one of my uh, Portugal picks and that's purely because of the whole tackles and key passes thing giving you extra points i feel like fernandez can do well in both of those categories sometimes he gets a lot of tackles in he often gets a lot of key passes in so while he's a bit pricey i feel like he could potentially break out Uh, he hasn't been the best for portugal but he is an amazing player who kevin was actually the one who told me about him before he went to man united a long time ago when he was linked with west ham my favorite team uh, but yeah he's he's a great player and he could play to take penalties if Cristiano Ronaldo just burns out and doesn't want to play for them <laughs> like he did with Man United uh, going with a fun uh, little flamenco pick uh, at my, as my Uruguayan player uh, De Arasqueta Georgian De Arasqueta I think his name is full name he's just a tricky fun little winger who's 5.5 only he's going to start for Uruguay probably I think and uh, I feel like it's just a good bench option as one of the later groups. Uh, you can have him come in if one of your players has one or two points. You can just put him Arsketa and see what happens, really. He's just a decent bench option. Or if your team has performed amazingly, you could just keep him on the bench. Um, the same thing, we have another great bench option with the uh, Uruguayan goalkeeper, uh, Rochet. I don't even know how you pronounce it, but... I know that he is uh, most likely going to start for Uruguay in front of Buslera, who's one of Kevin's least favorite players. So uh, <laughs> Rochette is, uh, or Rocher or whatever is uh, a really good uh, option for 4.0 as a goalkeeper. Um, you have three different players than me uh, listed, so if you want to talk more about them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I have Alverde. I've sung his praises throughout the uh Throughout the podcast, which hurts to say as a proud Barcelona supporter, uh, we're top of the league. Uh, but yeah, um, he is just wonderful. I think he's really come to his own, and it's crazy that Ancelotti, of all players, all players, all managers, is the one to get the most out of him and uh, has made a bunch of promises if he manages to reach 10 goals for the season and all this type of stuff. And it seems like it's a fun time to be Valverde because he is just playing out of his skin. And I think it will translate well for the World Cup fantasy because I think, um, you know, with 
um, them having obvious players like Darwin and etc. being the focal point of attack that Valverde might get overlooked in terms of defensive abilities and stuff like that. So he will be able to snag at these second chances. And we obviously know that uh, Darwin has been very hit in this. So there could be a lot of second chances for Valverde to pick up. Cancelo, only because I know how Cancelo is outside of the uh, fantasy Premier League in terms of the Champions League stuff. I know how well he plays for Portugal. I think it's always just an obvious pick in all realms of fantasy, and especially at 6.0. He, he wasn't listed as 7 or anything crazy. He's listed as a premium option at 6, but 6 isn't that big in terms of the grand scheme of things. So, yeah, I think it's perfect. Kudos, he's been fantastic for IX. I'm so, so, so angry that Everton weren't able to get that signing across the line because he had fallen out with the board, he had fallen out with Schrader, and then Schrader was like, no, like, I want to keep you here. I think you can develop your game. And then he went absolutely crazy for IX in the Champions League. So, Yes, um, I think Ghana might not do amazingly, as we uh, pretty much said that Ghana will come third. But that doesn't mean that he can't score in these games. Yeah, he's been scoring a lot for Ajax, and I'm also a huge fan of his uh, as well, as you as you know, Kevin. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think he's also a decent shout for 6.0. As far as Cancelo goes, obviously I'm not going to have him because he always sucks for me in fantasy. But I feel like in Nuno Mendes for... 0.5 less is an option that I'm considering. Uh, I assume he's going to start over Rafael Guerrero, who would have been an amazing pick if he was the starting left back. But anyways, uh, that's it for the groups, really, and uh, predictions. Uh, in terms of um, predictions for the full World Cup, in terms of the knockout stages, we'll get to that once we get to the knockout stages. We'll continuously have more podcasts about World Cup fantasy. We'll try to have one for each match day, even though it comes like all the matches come quick and fast. So we've got to move along swiftly and find out which days we can record and all that stuff. But most likely we're going to get there for each and every match day before each and every match day. Just a little going through how our teams have been so far and uh, what we'll do in the future. Um, So, yeah, definitely keep a lookout for that. Now we're going to move on to scoring. The scoring system in uh, this World Cup fantasy game, it's a bit different than you know from Fantasy Premier League and we'll just go quickly go through all the differences. First of all, we have uh, the map or the, the outline for all the scoring for all players that is equal for every single player, whether you're a goalkeeper, you're a defender, you're a striker, you're a midfielder, you get the same points for the appearance, assists, yellow cards, red cards, own goals and winning a penalty and conceding a penalty. Uh, so. In FPL, you get two points for playing 60 minutes. You get one point for playing at all, and then two points for playing 60 minutes. In uh, Fantasy World Cup, you only get one point for playing 60 plus minutes. So if you get subbed on, you still don't get a point from that. You need to score or assist or something like that to gain points, which is uh, going to make it a bit interesting in terms of appearances. Um, Then we have assists. It's the same as FPL, three points across the board. Yellow card is the same, minus one. Red card is the same, minus two. Own goal is the same, minus two. But we have a new category in World Cup Fantasy, which is winning a penalty, which is plus two. So in FPL, you would get plus three as an assist if you win a penalty and consequently, uh, like, you score 
uh, after that if the team scores after that but in uh, World Cup Fantasy you get two points instantly if you win a penalty so also if you win a penalty and take a penalty I assume you get two points for winning the penalty and then get five points if you're a striker who scores the penalty Yep. Um, most likely and then conceding a penalty is actually minus one that's also a difference from uh, FPL uh, where you don't get minus points for conceding a penalty so keep that in mind I guess I think it's more random in terms of conceding penalties it's hard to account for that before but yeah that's it for the scoring of all players I don't think there's anything on notes uh, other than that uh, I have Kevin here with me as well who's gonna go through the rules with me as far as goalkeepers it's kind of similar but you get plus five points if you get a clean sheet and play more than 70 minutes so most starting goalkeepers play 70 minutes plus but if you're a starter and you keep a clean sheet you get five points but there's a big difference uh, from FPL where you get minus one for every two goals conceded in terms of fantasy world cup you get minus one for every goal conceded after the first goal so conceding the first goal is no negative effect on your goalkeeper it's zero points but every single goal after that you get minus one point so that means if you lose five nil as a starting goalkeeper you get minus four for that alone so that's a pretty big penalty for the worst teams of the world cup compared to fpl where you can basically concede four four goals and save a penalty and you'll still get plus score Penalty saves is plus three in this uh, in this game rather than plus five. Uh, I say this in FPL, so saving penalties isn't as important in this. And penalty save points doesn't even include penalty shootouts. The other difference with goalkeepers is that if you are so lucky to have a goalkeeper that scores a goal, you get plus nine points, which is absolutely massive compared to the six points you get in FPL. And like with FPL, you get plus one for every three saves. Uh, so I'm going to open it up a bit more for you, Kevin. Do you think there's any chance of a goalkeeper goal in this World Cup? And if so, who do you see scoring it? Ooh, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. I'm, this seems like a weird one. Courtois, if they have to like desperately score a goal, I can see him um, take his big noggin and just get one in there allison becker of course yeah, uh, it's proven he can score <laughs> if they're desperate i think it's just a question of whether uh, there seems to be like some set piece taking goalkeeper that we're not thinking of from some no. nation but uh i think it has to be some freak goal that happens or potentially uh yeah like a desperation goal and we've seen that actually happen in the world cup it was many many years ago but uh i feel like there was something that happened not too long ago where someone scored header might have been afcon (laughs) to be completely honest but i remember i remember someone scoring a like a free header or something like that and Mm. uh kept them alive or got them a goal and etc so yeah i mean it's just there just in case it happens, right? They could have made it 90 points and we don't know if it would have happened, but maybe it's just for the sake of having it, it's there. And if it does happen, great. It's just wish fulfillment at this rate. Yeah, it's not something you can account for. You can't really look at expected goals for goalkeepers and see, oh, <laughs> <laughs> this guy, Allison, he's, uh, he has the best expected goals at all the World Cup goalkeepers. So yeah. you can't really look at it like that. It's just pure happenstance if... Uh, goalkeeper scores a goal but it's very clean sheets it's more important to have a solid goalkeeper uh i 
before going through this in my head in terms of the goalkeepers I selected them in my World Cup fantasy squad which you'll see pretty soon I have not taken account taking that as much into account when it comes to like having a great goalkeeper but maybe I should just have a great goalkeeper just in case um, but yeah we'll see about that when we go get to our squads that's it for the goalkeepers defenders it's also more points for scoring a goal there's six points in FPL and it's seven points in uh, in this game which is also huge if there's any set piece taking or even uh, penalty taking defenders in the in the game this year I don't know about that but Trippier is one that comes to mind for England if he takes set pieces if he starts over Trent Alexander-Arnold he can definitely score a set piece so that's seven points worth you also get plus five points for clean sheets if you play 60 minutes or more just which is one more than you get in FPL and the same thing with the goalkeepers goes for the defenders as well you get minus one points for each additional goals conceded after the first goal so if you lose five, like I said with the goalkeepers if you lose five nil you get minus four points from that alone so that's also something to look out for um, I don't think there's many defenders that are penalty takers or set piece takers can you think of anyone Kevin in terms of penalty taking, no, but I think in terms of goal scoring, we got quite a few. I mean, just to think on top of my head, Christensen is someone who gets to gets his noggin on there. Rudiger, obviously. Um, I think um, Denzel Dumfries is a free scoring um, defender, but I think in terms of like actual penalties and stuff like that. Um, if Rodriguez gets to play for Switzerland, I think that's uh, if he gets to take a penalty, then yeah, I think um, yeah, I think um, Trippier is the most obvious one that I can think of. Yeah. But knowing how Harry Kane likes to uh, big time everyone, he could maybe not just be on it. But considering his World Cup legacy with uh, scoring free kicks and stuff like that, yeah, I think Trippier will get a chance. Yeah. And I also think you get only three points for assists and you get seven points for goal scored. So having a goal score is more important than in uh, FPL where you also have bonus points. I should note that as well. There are no bonus points in this game. So getting assists aren't nearly as uh, valuable as they are in FPL where an assist can give you three bonus points on top of the three assist points. And then you have the extra point for goal scored. So I think going for goal scores as defenders rather than assists uh, for defenders kind of makes sense. Um, sadly, Gabriel Magalhaes wasn't picked for Brazil, but I mean, they have Marquinhos who scores quite a few goals, so yeah. that's also a decent option for sure. Um, yeah, that's it for the defenders scoring. I've grouped the midfielders and forwards together, and they are quite interesting actually, because there are some other categories. Like I mentioned, there are no bonus points, but there are still certain ways that players can get extra points uh, just from their performance alone. Just quickly, again, with midfielders, you get one point for clean sheet, just as in FPL, if you play 60 minutes or more. You get five points for scoring a goal, which is the same as FPL, but then you have two other categories, which is for every three tackles, you get plus one, and for every two key passes, you get plus one. So I went through all the different game weeks in FPL this season and looked at the most key passes and the most tackles out of the midfielders uh, for every game week. And mostly, you struggle to find people getting two key passes or three tackles sometimes it happens sometimes you even get six tackles or even nine if you're really lucky but mostly it's going to be at most three tackles for the best 
players, the best defensive players, like Joao Palenia, who's not going to be like a goal scorer for Portugal, for example. He's probably only going to get one point, maybe two points extra from having three or six tackles. So it's not that valuable. It's just like an extra little piece of spice in terms of the goal scoring. As for key passes, usually, I mean, you can take the example of like the main key passer in the world, Kevin De Bruyne. He averages about 3.5 key passes per game in the Premier League, which only counts for plus one point. So if he gets up to four key passes, he gets two points. Rarely you get six or even eight uh, key passes. Sometimes it happens, but it's very, very, very rare. Um, if you don't know, key passes are passes that leads to shots. So, I mean, it could be different in the World Cup where you have more of a disparity between the teams. If you have a really good team against a really bad team, you can have more key passes than in the Premier League, for example. So maybe that comes into account. But I think at most you can potentially get four points from these extra categories, which is quite a lot if you think of it. But I don't know. Are there any players that come to mind in terms of tackles or key passes or you potentially even both for you? It would have been Conte. I would have said that because he does do a lot of chance creation and stuff like that. But obviously he's injured, so it mm. leaves you with a very limited pool of players. Maybe like a Jordan Henderson if he gets to play sort of thing. Um, Declan Rice? But sure. He makes some tackles, makes some key passes. I mean, he makes, he makes tackles and does actually do key passes. Uh, I think, um, yeah, I think... Um, you mentioned in the part one that Bruno Fernandes is one of those sort of players that can pull this off as well because he is tackle heavy and all this type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's just to make you consider CDMs and stuff like that because obviously anyone who plays FPL like the, or any fantasy uh, football would know that CDMs are pretty much useless unless they've been on like a goal scoring form and that's why you have them in. Um, but I think this is just to, in, to sort of balance the playing field also to do something different compared to the tried and true uh, versions of fantasy football. So, um, but for me, I think don't consider any of that. Think about assists, think about goal scoring. That should be the most important thing yeah. you should look for. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. It's just uh, two more names that I uh, saw from going through the Premier League stats uh, that had quite a few tackles and key passes at certain points, and that's uh, Madison. He actually gets some tackles in, and you already know he's really good for key passes. Course, so yeah. if he gets to play for England, he'd, exactly. he'd be a decent option, but that's the that's the problem with Madison. At the same time, you have a different uh, Premier League player, an uh, American named Brendan Aronson, Aronson, who's been really good for Leeds this season. And he's also yeah. one of those guys who gets a lot of key passes, and he does do quite a few tackles as well. So he's also someone to consider, I guess, if you have faith in these extra categories. But like like Kevin said, I think you should keep your mind on goal scoring and uh, assists mostly, and let that just be a nice bonus if uh, if you figure out that a player has those qualities as well. Sure. Um, moving on to the forwards, it's also sort of similar. Uh, you get five points for scoring a goal as a forward, which is the same as midfielder, and more than you get in FPL, where you get only four points from scoring a goal. So, goal scorers are a premium in this uh, in this game, it seems like, and especially goal scorers who shoot often on target, because you get one point for every two shots on target. But just like with um, key passes and tackles, even more so probably for shots on target, it's very rare to have. Well, more than really three shots on target. 
So it's mostly going to bring you one extra point normally. Uh, like having six shots on target would be, well, it's not unheard of, but it's very rare. So getting more than two points from shots on target, uh, it's not that likely. Uh, I mean, in terms of shots on target, it's it's pretty much just it's uh, speaks for itself in terms of having players from the best teams playing against the worst teams. They're going to have a lot of shots. So maybe like a hurricane against the lesser teams in this group could be good. Cristiano Ronaldo is always going to shoot a lot, but mostly off target <laughs> nowadays. Yeah, so, yeah. so I mean, I don't, I don't think you should take that really into account either. It's just a nice bonus, obviously. So I don't know if you have any other thoughts when it comes to the forwards and the shots on target. No, I think it's, uh, I think it's wild actually that forwards get the same amount of points as a midfielder in terms mm. of scoring. I think it, it was such an obvious thing to either make it six five or whatever but yeah fair enough i mean um there's a limited amount of forwards that you can pick compared to midfielders anyways but um yeah i think this could be uh, just uh, every two shots on target if they're getting more shots on target they're scoring anyway so it, uh, yeah so mm-hmm. and oh, how many goals does a goal scoring normally get at a world cup five six at most so it's i don't think people should take or put too much weight onto uh, these extra bonuses like you mentioned yeah. they're just a fun little bonus yeah i mean i think like best case scenario i think the most likely player to get the most points from this is de bruyne who could potentially have like a match i don't think he's going to get six tackles but say he gets three tackles and he gets six key passes and then that's four extra bonus points and on top of having a clean sheet that's five extra yeah. bonus points so in that case best case scenario you get quite a whole extra from uh, from these categories but normally it's nothing you should really pay that much attention to uh yeah yeah that's it for the scoring rules but there are also some other nice um, things with uh, world cup fantasy that we don't have in fpl and mainly those are the boosters as they are called here they're called chips in fpl but in uh, this game it's called boosters and they're quite different from fantasy premier league only thing that's not different is the wild card which basically gives you just a limited transfers to change up your whole team um i'll get more to the strategy later we can discuss more when to use the wild card later but i'll just go through the boosters first the second booster is 12th man, which is a very interesting booster that I'd never really heard of in any fantasy game, really. I, I can't really think of any other. I play quite a few fantasy games in terms of yeah. Elite, the Serie in the Norwegian one, Alsvenska on the Swedish one, Bundesliga fantasy I've played, and I was top of the league when, uh, during the COVID season. I just got to mention that. But yeah, 12th man basically is uh, it allows you for one game week throughout the whole, or one match day, I should say, uh, throughout the whole World Cup fantasy, you can have an additional 12th player you don't even have to think about the cost you can get the most expensive player there is and just add him to your squad which is a really interesting uh, chip to use and it just depends when you're going to use it uh, the same thing goes for the final booster which is power captain which is something i've heard uh, mentioned in terms of potential chips in other fantasy games and power captain basically means it's just auto selecting the captain for you so it can select even someone from the bench if they score the most points you'll get him as captain automatically which is a really interesting uh booster that's gonna be i think there's gonna be a lot of discussion i think we already kevin and i briefly discussed it and we had some different thoughts about it uh i mean i could i guess we could just start with power captain you mentioned that you'd use it in the group stage 
uh, primarily rather than waiting for the knockouts. So give me your reasoning for that and I'll try to make a case for saving it for the latter stages of the tournament. Okay, so for me, the power captainship seems like something that you should use early on because that's when you have the most teams, you have the biggest uh, player pool, you have some of the more obvious sort of matches where I think you're going to see a lot of these sort of like, uh, I'm not saying like six nils or anything like that, but you're going to see a lot more high scoring matches comparatively to when the knockout stages happen. Cause unless it's like a completely one-sided team versus another one-sided team or, it, you know, you're, it's like, a, let's say Costa Rica somehow came second, but they're facing Brazil. Like Brazil is, obviously going to smash them into pieces but in the group stages we already know what all the matches are and all this type of stuff so therefore i think it's much easier to plan it in and i also think generally speaking it's the best opportunity to do it because there's so much things that you can plan and also you just know like this team will batter this team when it's the group stages comparatively to the most of the time low scoring you know, um, knockout stages. Yeah, I mean that's fair enough. You make some some good points there. Uh, just for me, initially at least, I figured to save it for the final stages because I feel like they are more unpredictable in terms of the group stage. I feel like when uh, France play Tunisia, you know you're gonna captain Mbappe if you have him in your squad, and then you're sure. gonna switch to Messi playing, or well, you can switch to Messi, but. You you can switch to someone else. Like it's it's easier to predict uh, which captain to use. While in the latter stages, with the uh, huge teams coming up against each other, with really good players coming up against each other, you don't really know which player will be the best one to to play, the best one to captain. So for me, it's more like a a crutch you can use if you're unsure about who to captain. I'm gonna be pretty sure about who to captain throughout the group stages, so I don't feel like it will give me that many points uh, compared to the latter stages, but. I don't know, it just depends uh, what you prefer, really. And I also feel like it's just like a nice little chip to have in hand if you really want to like get past someone in the final stages as well. It's hard to predict the final two matches um, in terms of having the bronze final on the Saturday and then the actual final on the Sunday. Obviously, you can switch captain in between, so you get two chances, but just having that power captain chip and just having that select the best captain, whether it's the semifinals or the bronze finals, uh, or, or the finals and the bronze finals. Uh, I feel like that's just a decent way to play it. But I don't know. It, it's it's going to be a bit random, I think, as well. Like you said, uh, with the uh, group stages, there are more players. There's a bigger player pool. So all of a sudden, some random guy, maybe like Tielemans plays and gets a lot of tackles. He gets a penalty goal. He gets uh, something. And all of a sudden, he has 30 points uh, as your captain and no one else has him. Like, sure, I can see that happening, but... I don't know. Uh, it's still up in the air for me when I'm going to use it, but I feel like there are cases to be made both in the group stage and in the knockout stages. But yeah. as I've seen online, a lot of people share your sentiment of using it in the group stage. So maybe that's the correct way forward, but I'm going to have to think about that more as well and see throughout the groups. Uh, group I, stages. Think, I think in your favor for this as well is if you do it in the latter stages, you get to pick obviously more players from the same team so you can have four mm. players from brazil five players from brazil because obviously we've 
in part one think that Brazil is one of the best and probably are the favorites to win it despite us wanting Argentina to win um, and for that reason yeah you could get that but I think in favor of my argument I guess is the fact that like I said with the player pool and stuff like that I think there are so many obvious captains that we might have like a Messi versus this or Mbappe versus that that we might completely like we'll have Denzel Dumfries in our team mm. but then he actually does explode for like 20 points yeah. then he's your power captain and you get 40 points just mm. like that so yeah. I think that's why personally I think the early stages are better but I think like you said I mean how you could have like a I don't know a Belgium versus someone and then it's you just happen to have the random player from the other team who happened to score twice against Belgium, even though Belgium won by three goals, but three separate players scored or something like that. Definitely can happen. And all this, yeah, like it, it can easily go in favor of you because you might end up having a fourth player from a team that you wouldn't have had normally, but because you could, he delivered sort of thing. But I think the player pool is the most important thing. And I think because we already know the matches, you can sort of have someone who are like, he would be my vice captain on the same day, but I can't captain more than one person on the same day sort of thing. So mm. yeah, it, it's just yeah. that, that it plays up to. Yeah, it's a, uh, it, we're going to get to that as well. With I, yeah, men- I mentioned earlier with uh, Mbappe and, and Messi playing on the same day, every yeah. match day in the group stage, like picking yeah. between them is always going to be difficult. So having yeah. the power captain in the group stage for those two players, if you have both of them, might be the, the way to go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you brought up a good point in my favor as well, in terms of you're going to have a lot of players from the same team in the, um, in the latter stages. So it's going to be difficult to choose, like, do you captain... You can say like you can have England and you have well England isn't the best because they only have like Kane and a couple others that can score but if you have like Brazil Vinicius Jr Neymar even Bruno Guimaraes who can score Paqueta like there are a lot of different players who can score and it's going to be difficult to choose which captain to go for so that's just my case I forgot how stacked Brazil are that I actually completely forgot about Vinicius Jr in terms of plotting for a fancy so that's crazy yeah okay yeah yeah so it's just uh that's just my main main case it's just it's going to be difficult to choose Sané, Musiala, Havertz even Uh, there's so many players to choose from in terms of captaincy on just a few teams so it's just going to make it easier for for uh, in my case at least um but yeah like you said group stage Dumfries could easily get (laughs) 20 points all of a sudden so it's it's something I feel like it's mostly down to luck anyway. So you're just gonna be lucky with who scores huge in one of the game weeks. And if you have him, you obviously need to have the player in your squad. So you got to do some work to get the points at least. But yeah, yeah. So yeah, um, you guys listening or watching can make of that what you will. You can also well, you can decide for yourself really what you want to do. In terms of the other chip that is new, twelfth man. Um, I'll open it up to you first again uh, do you have any inclinations of when you're going to use it potentially like very first <laughs> first day you know with Mbappe because I spoiler alert currently don't have him again this can all change depending on how some of these friendlies go and etc but um, yeah I think I think this definitely 
is in favor of now, if that makes any sense. Because stages. Yeah, because the player pool is bigger. Like, y- yeah, there's going to be some obvious players that mm-hmm. you're missing out on. And if anything, this could be a feeler for your team as well. Like, if Mbappe bags and all my other players don't, I'll be like, okay, well, Mbappe is also the player I'm going to be bringing in. So it's sort of like a fun trial player but it's also if you just in your heart you just feel like this player is going to perform you might as well throw him in into the mix and just get even more points for your team so yeah i think mbappe is looking a very likely candidate if there's someone that i'm not thinking of that like i feel will be on penalties and all this type of stuff too then that would be someone i, I take into consideration i feel like mbappe currently is back to taking pens for them and stuff like if you look at current friendlies and stuff like that he's still taking pens and or they might play the win a penalty sort of um, take take the penalty uh, sort of situation as well but yeah even Lukaku is someone like if I know for sure that Lukaku is going to start and it's against one of the lesser teams then I'll bring him in and Etc. Or if you're one of the people who doesn't have Harry Kane currently, Harry Kane could easily become one of the people that you bring in. Yeah. Uh, just one more thing I didn't mention about the 12th man is that you don't get any captaincy points. Like you can't captain him and you can't sub him out. Yes. So he's just yes. going to be there regardless of what happens to him. You can't switch him out. You can't. Well, he's just an extra man, really. Yeah. So he's not part of your squad. It's just like another, another guy, which also makes makes more sense to go with someone like Mbappe that you know will have a good chance of scoring. Um, it's not someone you can swap out. You can't really take a punt on like, oh, Bacuay is starting this game, so I'll take a punt on him this this week. Like, You should definitely go for like the more pricey players. And to your point, I'm not going to make the case for using this chip in the knockout stages. Like you said, uh, there are so many players to choose from early on. You're going to have, you can't have Messi, Neymar, Mbappe, and Kane in the same team unless you used his chip <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. so definitely Mbappe game week one is a consideration for me France have Denmark in game week two or match day two I should say I'm going to do that mistake <laughs> make that yeah. mistake quite a lot but yeah. they have Denmark in match, match day two so having him in my starting squad is probably not in my plans considering he plays at the same time as Messi who has South Africa or South Africa I'm saying Saudi Arabia yeah. SA Saudi Arabia <laughs> in the first match so like it just makes sense for me to use it on Mbappe in match day one I'm most likely going to do that another option is Lewandowski match day two against um, Saudi Arabia (laughs) so yeah but in all likelihood I'm going to just use it on Mbappe even just to get a good start just to have some motivation to keep playing this game as well just have a good nice start get some points I think that's a good tip for any of you guys obviously we're going to be engaged throughout this whole process with the World Cup Fantasy because we're going to make content on it and all that stuff. But if you're some player who just plays it casually and you don't even know if you're going to take it seriously, use the 12th man in the first game week and be closer to the top of your uh, of your leagues and have motivation that way. I feel like yeah. that's another reason to use it early um, if you're more of a casual player. Uh, finally, the wild card. Uh, it's the same as in... Fancy Premier League, but obviously there's a much shorter window to use it. And also, you have to take into consideration that before the knockout stages, you get unlimited transfers again. Yeah. So you have to figure out whether you want to use it 
there are some options you can use. You can use it in game week or match day three when it's more uncertain who plays and stuff. Like some teams can already be through and rest their best players, for example. So it might be good to just use it as like a free hit in uh, in match day three. Or in terms of the knockout stages, if there are some, if the first round of the knockouts is like a lot of teams that are 50-50, uh, decisions it's going to be difficult to choose the right players that you'll get to keep throughout the whole knockout stage so using it in the quarterfinals or even semifinals if most of your players are knocked out is also an option so i don't know what you prefer out of those do you, if you prefer to use it as a free hit in, in match day three or if you prefer to use it in knockout stages i think it's it's they're both valid options i think um it could also be like a good escape card if things are really going bad for you game week one or, or two. Um, but I think um, I can't remember per se if it was like five free transfers that you get like each additional uh, game week or match day past um, the round of 16. Um, but um, yeah, I think it is also a really good chip to continue saving because there might be like obvious errors with your team or because you went cheap you have you know saudi arabian players still on your team that are just wasting space on the uh, on the 15 man squad so i think both options are uh valid and i think it, it should be sort of a, a situational based decision that you make i don't think people should just be immediately like yep i'm gonna save it all the way to the end because it's better or yep i'm definitely gonna use it because it's better i think just bait do it depending on what your team needs and i think uh but i think as a free hit works because you're when you get that round of 16 one you're definitely just going to load up on players you think are going to go far yeah so yeah definitely um yeah like you said uh though uh it's situational um if you have i've mentioned previously that there are some teams that might go through after two matches and just rest up players in the third match. So if you have a squad in game week three or match day three full of players that are going to be rested, you might just use it as a free hit and bring in some more interesting players that need to win to go through. Like if, for example, England need to win to go through and you don't have Harry Kane and you don't have like a reasonable way to get him and some other players as well, you can definitely use it in match day three. Uh, as far as the, uh, the transfer goes, Transfers in like the knockout stages go. Um, you have four transfers before the start of the quarterfinals. So between the round of 16 and the quarterfinals, you get four additional transfers. Before the semifinals, you get five additional transfers. And before the bronze finals and finals, you get six transfers. So obviously the teams in the semifinals and the teams in the bronze finals and um, final will be the same. So I think the final two uh, stages, you don't really need to use um, the wild card because you'll have the same pool of players but going into the semifinals you could definitely use it just to have to just to make sure that you have all the players needed a full squad so that's also a good place to use it i think yeah but yeah that's pretty much it for the boosters section it's going to be really interesting for sure i'm sure that the the man or woman who ends up winning the whole thing is going to have a super good power captain and a super good 12th man <laughs> i'm sure it will make such a difference but it's it's more of a well, you can say risk reward you can say happenstance it's it's hard to know when to use the chip or which players will get the most points from using the chips 
So we'll see about that. Whoa. We'll move on to, unless you have some, something else to say, you have anything else to add? On the no, pictures? no, no. Uh, it was just like huge lightning or thunder. Uh, so I <laughs> hope the mic didn't catch that. Cause it was like, okay. I, just, I, <laughs> I didn't hear anything. So yeah. okay, I think we're fine. It's uh, nice and uh, gray and normal, not gray. It's, it's been time absolutely anyway. pissing it down here in the UK and London. Like it's, it's terrible. Fair enough. We'll move on to uh, Qatar and uh, the squads we have. Uh, I'll go through my squad first. If you watched part one, I've talked about plenty of these players before. I think I listed pretty, <laughs> I think pretty much every player in my squad was listed uh, or talked about in part one, really. Uh, yeah. I'll just go through it again. Uh, like I mentioned, I have two cheap goalkeepers. I have Danny Ward for Wales. I feel like the group with Wales, Iran and England and uh, what's the final team? Wales, Iran, England, and Wales, Iran, England, Wales, Iran, England, and uh, blanking. It's not Ghana, is it? Uh, hold on. We wait. <laughs> oh no, I have it here. United States. United course. States, of course. How can I forget USA, the premier, USA. <laughs> the premier oh, no, country gonna, on earth? Oh no, they're uh, gonna get Sorry, to any now. American listeners. I have a uh, well. In my uh, in my defense, I have an American accent because of Kevin. Because I lived in London, but I still have like sort of American-ish accent because of Kevin. Because he has lived in New York, so we definitely respect uh, at least certain parts of the United States. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Enough about the United States, but at least as with the United States, they are another team that don't score that many goals. So I feel like having Danny Ward who's been an FPL legend or FPL busts, depending on when you had him in the season. I feel like him and Wales can have a decent um, group stage. I think I had them to... No, I had US to progress, but I had Wales at number three. Sure. So I feel like he's a decent shout for 4.5. And if he fails, I'll have uh, the starting goalkeeper for Uruguay, Roche, Rochette, uh, however you pronounce it, 4.0. Mm-hmm. Starting goalkeeper for a really good Uruguay squad. So I have a good backup option. I feel like I have two decent options. So... I feel like at least one of them should get a clean sheet. Danny Ward in FPL has been either he's not gotten a clean sheet uh, early season or he's gotten a clean sheet on the bench late season for me. So I feel like he, he can definitely get a clean sheet as well. Um, we go through the defense. I mentioned all these players in the part where we went through the predictions of the groups, but I'll go through them again. Denzel Dumfries, he's a certainty in my team, assuming he's healthy, which it seems like he is. He's just a magnificent goal scorer, goes forward, really fun player to watch. And he plays for Netherlands to have a really easy group as well. They have Senegal, which is sort of difficult, but then they have two other teams that are not that good. So he should be a decent option uh, in terms of scoring goals. England again, the same group as Danny Ward. Good chance for clean sheets, good chance for free kick goals, as we've mentioned before. Uh, Mela, the Danish fullback legend, he's a certainty in most squads and in mine as well. I'm pretty surprised he's 4.5. Then I have Abdou Diallo, he's not my starting defender, but since Senegal play before France, I'm going to use him. And then if he doesn't perform, then I'll sub him out for either Pavard or Teranandes. Right now I have Pavard on the bench as another option if uh, any of my defenders fail. In terms of the midfielders, I have um, Steven Bergwin 
from Netherlands. He's going to play pretty much almost as a striker, especially with Depay still a bit up in the air when it comes to his uh, fitness. He's been injured for the last few weeks and months even. Some say that he's been resting up for the World Cup in particular, but he came out and denied those rumors. So who knows if he starts or not. Uh, I also have De Bruyne as my premium midfielder. Just feels like a no-brainer, like the best player for Belgium. If Belgium are going to perform, he's going to be right in the thick of it. And we mentioned earlier how he could do key passes. He could even do some tackles every now and then. I think he had a match uh, this season with like six tackles or even five tackles. I can't remember for Man City. Uh, Finally, I have, uh, well, not finally, but in my starting uh, midfielders, I have uh, Musiala. It's just, I'm a huge fan of his. I think he's a top talent. I feel like he's going to have a breakout. Like he's he's a household name, of course, but he's not, in terms of star power, he's not the same as De Bruyne, Mbappe, even Thomas Miller, who is... Uh, who is uh, he has competition with in the Germany squad for being a starting player for them? Yeah, but I feel like he can he can be remarkable in this World Cup. Um, on the bench, I have two decent options in Trossard and Derasqueta, two players I really like personally, who can just step in if any of my other players don't perform. Finally, I've gone big up front with two Argentinian players playing against Saudi Arabia. Messi, he's going to be well voice crack. Messi is going to be my uh, my captain <laughs> initially. Yeah. Well, uh, probably not. I'm going to captain like someone like uh, Dumfries or something in the first match day and then switch to Messi, of course, yeah. um, assume, uh, considering they play on different days. But Messi is most likely going to be my captain until the end. If he doesn't perform, I can switch the captaincy to De Bruyne. And if De Bruyne doesn't perform, I can switch the captaincy to Neymar. The interesting thing with uh, World Cup Fantasy is if someone performs like reasonably well and get like seven or eight points do you risk it and switch the captaincy or do you keep it that's going to be a big question mark so having more captain options uh afterwards i feel like it's a good idea like if messi gets just a goal and uh maybe like two shots on target gets like seven points against uh, saudi arabia i'd be pretty inclined to switch it if i have de bruyne and neymar to come on after him but if i don't have any heavy hitters after messi i'll just keep it on messi so that's why i feel like it's important to have heavy hitters from the teams that play in the match or not match days but in the days following the but the later days in the match day but yeah i've doubled up with messi and lotaro martinez uh, as i said and finally as a striker i have neymar brazil play on the final day of match day one so he's a really nice uh, safety blanket for me uh, he's always performed really well for brazil and brazil are one of those teams that can win final at any game the, like depending like it doesn't even depend on who they face they can also lose <laughs> 8-1 as you've seen before but yeah. uh, definitely they have a shout to score a lot of goals so that's my full match day one squad uh, don't know if you have any um, any issues with it any things you like about it you obviously have a couple of the same players as we'll see but do you have any suggestions for my squad or any worries about my squad no, I think generally speaking, pretty good. Um, I'm always cautious when it comes to uh, positions where you double up on positions. So, for example, the fact that you have Lataro and Messi, I think the reasoning for why you have both makes perfect sense, considering the fact that Messi will score and get a ton of assists to Lataro and vice versa. So, considering their matches, yeah, I think it works. Uh, I think. 
when you see my team and the, you know, sort of cheapo defender that I have, you have Diallo, I have a certain creation that I think um, deserves a shout. And, but the argument you can then make there is Diallo will definitely play while Sosa has a higher ceiling, might not. So, um, spoiler alert. Um, but yeah, other than that, I think the team is very well balanced. I like the fact that you have Trossard there uh, in your team as well. And uh, yeah, I think there's a, some names there that people wouldn't expect but would like to have. I think Luciala Sane is going to be the biggest one because, like you said, I think this is easily... Musiala's chance to get the recognition he deserves and um, blow up in the scene. I think uh, this could be, you know, he could easily become the young player of the World Cup and also, um, you know, do like a Hamas Rodriguez where he just randomly pops up mm-hmm. with like four or five goals. And then it's like, oh, wow, this kid's really good, apparently. And it's like, yep, he's always been good. So, um, yeah, no, overall, you should be happy with that squad. Yeah. I'm pretty happy with it. Just to mention a couple of players that I'm considering. I don't have any attacking players from England, but I've heavily considered both Kane and Foden. It's just, I don't know about England. I'm a bit unsure about them, especially going forward. Oh, not really, especially going forward. They have a pretty weak backline, but Gareth Southgate, it feels like he, because of the weak backline that they have with potentially Maguire as a center back, I mean, John Stones is decent. Uh, they don't have Tomori, which was a weird uh, omission in the squad. But anywho, um, they're not that sound defensively in terms of their players. So that means that Southgate usually likes to play it safe and not go that much forward. So that's sort of why I've left out Kane and Foden. But both of them are definitely in my consideration. Another player is uh, Bacurai, who might start for Belgium. If I get news that Lukaku is out for the whole group stage, then definitely he's an option. If Lukaku is back for like match day two, it feels like sort of a waste to have Bacurai and I have to immediately switch, swap him out, considering you only have two transfers. Uh, Lautaro is one of those players that I could easily swap out for any player that stands out or has an easy match day two fixture as well. So I feel like I have a decent balance of like players I want to keep long term and players that I might sell. At the same time, another issue I also have potentially is the defenders in terms of they all play pretty early in the match days. I think Senegal, yeah, Senegal play early. It's only France that play sort of late, but they, even they don't play on the final day. So maybe I should consider like a Brazilian uh, fullback or something uh, that leads nicely into your team because I, th- I believe you have a Brazilian fullback and some other interesting players. So let's take a look at your team. You can go through the team yourself. There are some uh, very known names and there are some lesser known names uh, there. Yeah. Though. So absolutely. Um, so as you can see, if you're watching it, you can see that I benched certain obvious players, but I'll get into that as we go through the team. Um, so starting goalkeeper, I went with Courtois. I think uh He's in the form of his life. Belgium have a good chance of going through. And I think generally speaking, he'll just get a lot of points. So I think it's good to have one premium goalkeeper and one cheapo goalkeeper uh, so you, because of the fact that you can alternate. However, should Courtois get a red card? I'm stuck with him with that, which, which is why uh, I forgot to mention this. Like if, for example, Matias captains Dumfries and he gets a red card that's it no more Mm. captains for the game week but if he scores and gets a clean sheet that's 
you know, 14, 15 points without captaincy and he'll look uh, looking good. And speaking of which, I do have Denzel Dumfries in my team. Uh, I think he is such a no-nonsense attacker, terrible defender, and that's perfect. I need that in my team. I mean, he's a pretty good tackler and all this type of stuff, but he can be quite hasty and is very injury-prone. That's my only worry with him. Mm. But he has the highest ceiling. Um, I think that yeah. Dumfries is going to have a great World Cup. Trippier, renaissance uh, season, you know, proving to be one of the best right-backs in the Premier League, maybe in the world. I, defensively, I, I don't know about that, but offensively, 100%. Mm. I think he's just a class act and just, yeah, he'll be on set pieces and stuff like that considering his form. And uh, Hurricane will be uh, chasing that um, golden boot um, or top goal scorer at the World Cup. And I think Trippier will just slot in nicely to him and... Uh, yeah, we'll get to Kane eventually. Joachim Mela, we've spoken about him. Absolute world, uh, world class. Weird that you know he doesn't get more praise, and you know he, Atlanta love him, and he's loved in Italy. Um, I think he'll have a decent World Cup. Uh, same goes with Borna Sosa. Three point five. He is bench fodder in that sense as well. But I also think that because he plays for Croatia, and if he does get to start. He'll be a dangerous, dangerous option. Um, in midfield, I have a random player. Uh, which nation? I don't even. Like, I think <laughs> I Saudi just, Arabia. They play Argentina, so it's so, yeah, Saudi Arabia. Like no offense to this player, and I hope he scores just to piss me <laughs> off. Well, not piss me off. I'll be really happy because I'm starting him technically. Yeah. Um, he's just a random player that I have um, just to fill the bench. He's 4.0. It's cheap does the trick yeah, uh just then, a little little comment about that because you had a similar play we played the world cup fantasy four years ago as well when it yeah. was in russia yeah uh, it's proven to be sort of a controversial pick and also yeah. you picked the player from russia who scored on the first uh, first day it was yeah. another like player you just picked because he was uh, cheap so maybe it can happen yeah. again who knows i believe it was kasinski yeah uh, he uh I think I looked him up. He had apparently scored here and there for Russia, but like it was genuinely just a random pick, and he ended up scoring. This guy is probably going to get me a red card, so <laughs> I'm, I'm I need to be careful. Um, so with the midfielder, I have two Danish players. I might have to change my team. Um, I have Sku Olsen. Uh, he is a wonderful player for them. Plays out in the wing gets a bunch of goals and assists and is always he's he's a b-tech kulisevsky there i said it mm-hmm. yeah he's essentially like kulisevsky very uh, creative decent goal scorer and is just very vital for this danish side another midfielder that i went for i could potentially downgrade to musiala but i i just think sane is one of those interchangeable players where he can start in like left mid, but end the match as a striker constantly is the one getting through balls past the back line. And I think um, his pace his set pieces. Cause he does take free kicks, whether Tony Cruz takes them over him will remain to be seen probably Tony Cruz, but some free kick chances that are left footed. I think Sandy will take them. Isn't Tony Cruz retired from Germany? Did he? Yeah, I think he did. Because I, I watched like one of the um, 
Goal had like a kit collector video with Declan Rice where he gets a surprise visit from Yaya Torre and he said that yeah, yeah. he got the kit from uh, Kroos and that ended up being like the final Germany kit he had. Even better. Even better. I should have done my research. Um, <laughs> no, because obviously Leroy Sané still needs to compete with... Uh, unless Kimmich has decided to retire at a very young age. <laughs> Joshua Kimmich does... Or Joshua uh, Kimmich... Uh, as he says, uh, does take set pieces too. But yeah. if if so, Leroy Sané is an even better option now because a bunch of their set piece takers mm. uh, have apparently retired. So, um, uh, God, I, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to <laughs> say that Royce has retired. I, he's just so unlucky. Uh, he normally takes all set pieces for Germany as well. Otherwise. But yeah, enough about Leroy Sané and uh, his magical set-piece taking. De Bruyne is just such an obvious pick, just like Messi is to me as well, who's who I have in midfield and forward, respectively. Um, De Bruyne, just a wonderful player, absolutely uh, Belgium's metronome, even more vital now that uh, Lukaku might be missing a first game or two. So yeah, De Bruyne's just an obvious pick, takes set-pieces, takes penalties, takes, does everything. Messi, same thing. He is everything Argentina needs, wants, everything like that. He's the greatest player of all time. He has just been wonderful under Scaloni, and they played to his strengths. This World Cup, regardless of what you think, asterisks, it doesn't count because it's in Qatar. I don't know why I did a Trumpy sort of <laughs> voice, but yeah, I think Messi's just going to have a brilliant World Cup. It is very likely his final World Cup, which is, you know, considering the fact that I've just had to mention another GOAT of a different sport, Federer retired this year as well. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a very emotional year. Uh, for that reason alone, I'm kind of, this is one of the only things I'm happy about the World Cup being this year because it could coincide with Federer and Messi playing their, you know, final big moments in terms of in Messi's case, national team and Federer's whole career. Um, I think it's just an obvious pick. Kane, definitely uh, just someone who I think is just going to explode. He always does it. It seems like he cares more about scoring than he does winning stuff. So yeah, go for it, man. Uh, I don't think Iran's the best match to face because they play really defensive boring football uh, which Kimu would say if he was here um, but uh, yeah I think Harry Kane is just the obvious auto pick for me and Bappe would have been but because of his sort of difficult fixture on game week two I think yeah I think Harry Kane just edges obviously Neymar is going to be in the starting 11 or eventually get there I just think um He's just world class again. Another player who who's younger than Messi, but also has said this could be his final World Cup. Simply not due to um, anything, uh, not due to ability, but rather physical ability. Where he just said he wants to go out on top, and if he d- feels that he can't play anymore, he's not gonna pull R nine and you know play at Santos at age forty. He he'll just go out on top, which is fair enough. I think Kazri, um just a random 4.5 pick he's just great he plays sort of striker takes the free kicks and penalties as well so easy pick for me um alex tellis is another one of those 
I'm really, really, really risking it because it's not 100% sure that Talos will play. But if he does, his ceiling is just as high as Bernasso. So, Mele, Trippier. Oh, okay. I have just fullbacks in my, uh, in my team. And you can understand why. It's because they get the most points in terms of assists and stuff like that. Obviously, it'd be good if I had some towering Maguire-esque sort of player like Diallo. But, you know, it's Except Diallo even that tall. Of course, because Maguire. Is um, you know what I hope he gets back to good playing because yeah. it is a bit of a shame. Like I don't I don't think it's it's gotten to the point where it's sad now. It's not a funny yeah. meme anymore. It's actually quite sad that people are um, still on his case about stuff. So I hope he finds some form. This seems like the place to do it with Trippier uh, being the one taking the corners. Um, <laughs> and then finally, I have Sergio Roche. Um, I think. Uh, Uruguay, I think, are going to go far. I think they're sort of the dark horse of the tournament. I think he can pick up some clean sheets here and there, especially if Son doesn't play in the first game and all this type of stuff could really benefit him. Um, yeah, and I think their defense is just solid, especially if Rajo is playing from start. They have Jimenez. They have so many good players in front of him that can help him keep that clean sheet. So, yeah. I mean, who knows? He might be... Um, my power captain might get like 70 points. I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, I just think he's a, instead of like a Danny Ward, um, for example, who's 4.5 or anything like that, he's 4.0. He's a good pick. I think uh, I'm very happy with my two goalkeepers. Courtois might change if I can think of an even easier route, maybe a Martinez, and then swap Martinez to someone else in the final game week. But We'll see. Yeah. Uh, just a couple of points on your team. Obviously, I assume well, you already said, but Nawaf, uh, something, something for Saudi Arabia is not going to start over Neymar. It's just he plays before Neymar, so that's why he's in the starting lineup. Yeah. Uh, so that makes sense. That said, Wabi Kastri also, th- I think he plays earlier than some other players you have in the squad. So obviously, yeah. that's not going to be your starting squad for, for like the, the first. Uh, day of matches or the or probably the second or third day of matches first day of matches is just Qatar against Ecuador where we don't have any players at all but sure. anyways that's beside the point but it also sort of is interesting to look at uh, when teams play so that's the only issue I have with Alex Tellis is that he's an unsure player for one of the teams playing last so you can't risk it's it's more do you risk him playing in the final game if you or if you have to sub out someone who has like four points if that's the guy you have to sub out you can't switch him out again that's that's my issue to tell us that he plays in the final game so you can't switch swap him out again if he doesn't play so that's i feel like you should take more risks with the early fixtures like the uh, matches on monday and tuesday rather than the matches on thursday so that's my only worry with Telus. But if if you have intel that he's going to start, it's either him or Alexandro on the left if they play with a regular left back or left wing, left wing back. So if if there are feelers out that he's going to start, then he's he's a great pick. But if there's any bit of uncertainty with him, I feel about a bit uneasy having him uh, as like the last guy playing that you can't swap out. That's my only issue with him. Uh, obviously, you've gone with some really cheap players and some really big firepower scoring players just uh, to mention Sané as well he's also one of the players I'm considering I've even considered both going both Sané and Musiala 
I feel like they're both really good. Sané, like you said, set-piece taker. Uh, if they have a free kick they can score from, he's he's the one to take it, I think. Especially with all those guys uh, not being there, Kroos and, uh, or Cruz and uh, Royce. So I think he's a really good pick as well. And Buona Sosa is another one that I'm considering. Uh, he plays a bit earlier than uh, Telles, so you have the option to swap him out if it doesn't start. So you can def- you definitely have that option, but it's just you already have now off, uh, probably not playing or scoring much. Buona Sosa might not play, and then you've already used up Neymar and potentially Castri as your substitutions. And then if Telles doesn't play, you might not even have 11 players playing. So yeah. that's my only thing with your squad. It's a bit unbalanced in that sense. But in terms of firepower, having Kane, uh, I'm jealous of you having Kane. Sane is one, more, one million more than Musella, so I'm also interested in him. So you have some nice options extra that I don't have, but it comes at a cost of uh, the lesser players like Nawaf. I, I tried. I, would, I don't know how much the Nawaf guy is priced. Do you know? I think it's just minimum three. It's just three point five, or what's what's the, um, the minimum? Let me just double check. Um, I I know he just plays for them a lot, so yeah. um, which is why I have him. But um, let me just have a double check. World Cup fantasy football. Bear with me. Because obviously, if he's like anywhere close to someone like Trossard probably try to find the money to get Trossard so you can I mean, have him off the bench. Like the, I mean, easy fixes that I can think just straight off the bat. If I downgrade Courtois to another goalkeeper, I'm only 0.5 away from Tellez being Hernandez, which is most likely what I would have done mm-hmm. closer to Manchester one anyways. It's just that te- if Tellez plays and starts every game, 4.5, you'd be hard-pressed to find someone you know, you know, yeah, if we, especially considering we think that Brazil is one of the teams that could win it, it just works. But like you said, it is risky. I even think Courtois could be uh, maybe not the best because they don't have their full squad, so that me- mm-hmm. might mean that they're inviting more pressure and stuff like that. But and defensively, yeah. Belgium, apart from Courtois, Oliver Elden, Fertongen are past it, done yeah. some of them. So yeah, so I might, I might easy upgrades that I can think of just straight away is downgrading Courtois and um, upgrading Telus to either Provert or Hernandez. I, I'm assuming Theo Hernandez has to play, considering the fact that he's playing so well for AC Milan and is an absolute stud. But uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, quick and easy. This this was just essentially, um, I mean, it should be the match they won squad, but obviously there are certain things that can change because obviously news can come out in the days leading up to this, including that the World Cup never happens, but obviously that's not going to happen at this rate. But uh, yeah, so um, no, uh, I think that's definitely things I'll be taking into consideration, especially if there's any news on Sosa as well, because I am playing it fast and loose, but the thing is this is more of a, because it's so interchangeable and stuff like that i'm not too worried and also i might be doing the uh the captain uh not the power captain but the 12th man yeah as well so 
it sort of evens out. Yeah, I was about to mention we both considering, like we said previously, considering Mbappe as the 12th man. So yeah, that might happen. Just another quick point about Telus is that he plays Serbia, the most difficult match in game week one. So yeah. it feels like to me he's more like a player you transfer in in match day two rather than someone you have from the start. Sure. Obviously, that costs you a transfer. Transfers are very important to have. You only have yes. two transfers between match day one and match day two. So in that case, Telus is a nice option to have just in case he starts, which is very likely i'd say like still so you yep. don't necessarily have to swap him out but it's just it feels like that's sort of the type of player you could easily bring in if he proves that he's a starter and then he has two easier matches in match day two and match day three yeah so, yeah but obviously also if brazil go through in match day like after match day one and match day two they have two wins and they're through already they might play alexandro in the final game so yeah you can catch uh, an early break at us so he's, he's a great He's, he's still a great pick. It's just I naturally I'm the type of guy that worries about having players not play. I think Kimo mentioned that in a previous FPL podcast. Uh, I'm yeah. too worried about playing time uh, rather than seeing like the big time scores potentially. Tell us who's also potentially like we previously talked about defenders that might take penalties. Who knows? I mean, it's it's going to be Neymar most likely, but if Neymar is injured, who steps up to take it? It's Talos. Yeah, most likely. Free it's Talos or Richarlison. Free so. kicks, set pieces. So he's yeah. definitely a really explosive and, explosive and fun option for 4.5. So, yeah. yeah. If I were you, I'd keep him. If I was me, I'd just wait for match day two. <laughs> it's yeah. most likely just the, yeah. the, the type of players we are. So if you're a risk yeah. taker, uh, Talos is definitely a good shout, even against Serbia. Yeah. Uh, other than that, in your team, I just mentioned pretty earlier what I thought about it just a bit uh, lacking in terms of the lower end players Castri could do well but tough group with Denmark and France as well yeah so you gotta put faith in your Brazil guys if you want to score points late in the in the match they won but anyways I feel like that's enough about the teams these both my team and your team will probably change before the start of this uh, World Cup uh, we're, recording, yeah. we're recording this on uh Wednesday, like we usually do recordings, uh, it'll probably be out Thursday. That's the, that's the plan anyways. And yeah. then obviously the World Cup starts on Sunday with uh, Ecuador against Qatar, the most uh, interesting match in the whole World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> most likely. I hope uh, Ander Valencia scores a goal with the former Oh, West I'd Ham. love that. I hope Ecuador win like 5 mil to be honest. The former West Ham legend, uh, but we'll see. Um, anyways, that's enough with the squads. And uh, that's about it for this uh, two-part. Uh, well, if you've been listening, it's just been one full podcast. But on video, we'll be releasing this in two parts. Um, yeah. This is the final part. Uh, so I'll just do the outro real quick. Uh, same as in the FPL episodes we've had. Pretty much just like, subscribe to the YouTube channel, the FPL Scope. Share it with your friends, with your grandma, with your friends all across the world, considering it's the World Cup. Uh, what we haven't mentioned yet, but it has been on the screen the whole time if you've been watching on YouTube, is that you can join our mini league in the World Cup. You probably should have mentioned that a bit more during the podcast, but I'll mention it now at the end. So the league code is RB73AUTS. That way you can join the FPL Scope World Cup Fantasy League, which is going to be interesting to see. It's going to be a bit different from Fantasy Premier League, as we've seen or heard in this podcast. So. 
that's uh, it for for uh, my section of the outro. Kevin, you're the social media manager. You can take us through all the other platforms we're on and all that stuff. Give us an update on the platforms we have. Absolutely. I mean, in regards to the mini league as well, um, you can actually search. This is actually a really cool function. You can actually just search FPL scope on uh, join the league and you can also join the league like that as well. As mentioned before, you obviously find us on YouTube as the FPL scope, FPL scope on pretty much everything on Twitter as well. We're going to definitely be pumping out more content and just reactions to world cup stuff that's happening throughout. We're also going to be then integrating that into more European football and um, obviously the premier league and fantasy stuff. So please keep an eye out, interact with us, challenge us on various things. We're going to be doing polls and stuff like that throughout. Um, We're also hoping to interact with some of you guys into and incorporating you guys into the videos like oh how did you miss this player in match day one and all this type of stuff too so please do make sure to comment and uh let us know if there's something that we're missing um and in regards to instagram spotify itunes we're going to be rolling out more and more content especially with spotify and itunes we're going to be continuously updating and having an audio version or audio only version of the podcast i realized that you can also put video uh versions of the podcast onto these platforms too but for the time being we're going to stick with sound if you want to watch it come to youtube if you want to just have it playing in the background whilst you're doing stuff go ahead and do it on spotify and itunes and of course you can join our premier league uh league as well We'll get back into that once the Premier League is back. And uh, there is a lot of content because obviously we have unlimited transfers coming into it. I know for a fact that me, Matias, and Kimo will be having wildly different teams. I think they go a bit similar-ish with certain things. uh, And I go pretty similar with them too. I mean, I got Ryan because they were convincing me so hard oh raya's number one and he was terrible every time uh, i started him so uh but yeah i think generally speaking lots and lots of content that's going to be coming up especially around the world cup i know people have their reservations with it and etc but for what it is and for everything that's going on let's just try and uh, have a good time and we'll definitely do our part to make sure that you guys have the content that you want and need. Definitely. As far as uh, FL content goes as well, I think we'll, or I think I know I'm going to have a standalone video on that pretty soon. I'm just going to go through basically my team from game one until game 16, the first part of the season, do a review. Uh, I've lined that up. Uh, Kevin could also do that as well. Potentially, I think he was still out in Egypt having fun and uh, doing what you do on vacation, but that's definitely something that will come pretty soon on the YouTube channel as well. Uh, just a season review. Um, yeah, the, uh, like Kevin said, FPL will be back in late December with your regular schedule content. As for World Cup content, we'll uh, keep, you up, keep you posted as well with new episodes. We're aiming for another recording on the 23rd, meaning the next next Wednesday uh, in a week uh, that episode the second episode of the Rock of Fantasy uh, well section of the podcast uh, is probably going to be released either on the Thursday or yeah probably on the Thursday which is the final 
day of matches before match day two. So we'll go through and see the early returns. We'll see Messi if he has scored five goals against uh, Saudi Arabia or not. Hopefully he does uh, as our captain. And uh, we'll also take a look at potential transfers uh, going forward as well. Uh, so yeah, that's about it for this uh, two-part opening World Cup fantasy podcasts. We'll see you later. So see ya. Goodbye.